Jason with the mic. What's up, Connection Podcast? Network fans, welcome to Wrestle Warzone Monday Wars Podcast Series Retrospective. I'm JT, and joining me as ever is my partner, Chad. Chad, how are you? Doing great. How's it going? Good, good, my friend. Ready to continue our dive through 1997 here on the Wrestling Warzone. And I can't believe we're already in February. It feels like we were just so excited that we're getting to 97. And we're already, already a month in here. Yeah, it seems to be uh, accelerating. I, I, I think that just goes with what we're talking about right now. Just about every week, something interesting with the show. Um, or one of the shows, if not both of them. So that really helps. There was some lull months where... Especially on the raw side, it felt like all right. I gotta, I gotta fire up another one of these bad boys. Yeah. It at least yeah. feels like shit's happening now. Right. Um, and it's a big night, so we we kind of hyped it up last episode that this is the big Royal Rumble Raw. It's two hours. Um, it's not live. I don't think it's live. I don't no. know if it's live or not. It's not live, they right? So. It, they taped it uh, January thirty first, I think. Okay, so a few days old, but yeah. this is really the start of the bridge era to Raw's war. Yes. Like we're done with the hour long episode four week can bullshit. That era is done that we've been in since we started the show in, in the fall of 95 and uh, ostensibly really since late 93 is where Tony yeah. has been doing. That I'd say long. since they got out of the Manhattan center, yeah. it's been like this pretty much like that. So um, we have about four to five, ish mm -hmm. weeks of these weird random episodes in different places different setups and then boom in march we're in the full-on raw's war that everyone knows from this era so we're we're on the doorstep um so this one was hyped quite a bit uh we talked about it though that we we weren't sure if they're actually going to show the royal rumble match right. what the plan was and then we went to watch it we're like all right what happened this does not line up at all with what they were hyping a week ago. So we were talked about that a lot in our last episode and our buddy, Jonathan black on YouTube left a comment said, uh, the WF was going to air the Royal rumble in its entirety that year on an episode of raw. However, they ended up not doing it at the last minute because the pay-per-view companies threatened to sue. If they show the entire match as planned. That's why a lot of raw feels like an hour episode stretch of two hours, which we'll talk about. They had to pad for time. There was also a dark match on the night, which is Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart versus Psycho Sid, which I believe is the first ever triple threat match that OEF has ever done. Um, they don't show that on this, but I do believe we see clips of that at some point because uh, it's a pretty interesting scenario that happens in the match. Hmm. So looks like they were planning to show the Rumble to fill up this episode and probably draw draw by rate, or I should say draw a rating um, by, by airing that. But I can see why the pay-per-view companies would be mad. This isn't the first time they would have done this, right? It was back in the end of 95. They showed Brett Bulldog on Raw um, in its entirety. And there might have been another one, too, they did um, around that time period. So, I don't know. What do you think? Were they right to, to back off? I mean, from a pay-per-view companies, it's it's so weird to think about, like, how much leverage they had at this time. Because I'm, I'm thinking, like, more in the satellite air. But, I mean, at this point, I have the big box or whatever through my local cable provider and uh, I was still in Georgia. I was about to move to Alabama, but um, so, so I get it from there in, I think it's funny and we'll get to it as we discuss raw. Um, this is a big night for shots fired, right? Mm -hmm. On raws in the one thing you hear constantly is we're not going to bait and switch you. Yeah. yeah. And that's so rich because they were promoting showing the whole Royal rumble. 
the yep. week before. It's like, and they don't even give a reason why. Like, no, it's just it would have like been so easy clips. if Vince just says at the start of the show, we had planned to show you the Royal Rumble, yeah. but so much happened inside the Skydome, we have to show you this instead. It's way more important. We're sorry. We're going to have a replay of the Rumble on, on viewers. Whatever they wanted to say would have right. been better then just like ignoring it and pretending like you never said anything. <laughs> Showing um, like two minute clips. Yeah. But I can see why the people your companies would be mad because you'd be setting a precedent. Like oh, now yeah. if I'm in February, like I'm not going to order the fucking pay-per-view. They're probably going to show the final four match on raw or something. Right. Um, you know, the next week. So why would I, why would I pay for this? So it seems like a, that seems like a pretty um, risky move on their part though. Like, Especially heading into WrestleMania, which, I mean, we'll get to. WrestleMania is not exactly WrestleMania like it would be. But, I mean, still, like, if if they want to, you know, cock of the walk or whatever, and Vince says, hey, you're not getting WrestleMania then. Right. I mean, that's a... True. He could have. A lot of, like, back and forth negotiating. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing, so... Um, all right, so this Raw is in the Sky Dome, and as usual, since we've been doing really since the Monday Night War has kicked into high gear, we are going to bounce back and forth between Raw oh. and Nitro in our review, and we are two hours on both now, Chad, so we got a lot going on. Yeah. Were these head-to-head head fully? Nine to, both were 8 to 10 or whatever, or 9 to 11? Yeah, yeah, and it was hectic. I mean, it's hectic if you try to watch both of these shows like i did bouncing back and forth there's a lot of oh you watched it that way okay. yeah it's it's a little it's, <laughs> it's i mean it's pretty chaotic you have two i had two on both my screens i had uh one nitro on one and roll on the other and i just kept toggling back and forth it was it was, it was fun living the 1997 life yes. um i'm curious when raw goes to nine we'll have to monitor yeah. that yeah, I'll have to think about that because um, yeah. that'll be a big – I think that'll be a, the next kind of like negotiating, leveraging chill. Sure. Right, to go to nine. Yeah, it might come when they go to Raw's War. It might be soon. Like, I don't I don't know how long they hold out at eight for where they're fully head-to-head. Yeah, we'll have to check the observers and the torch when they start because what they – what did they break it down? Like one was war zone and one was like – Yeah, these are the two. Raw's war, war and then right. war zone yeah, to get right. the separate rate – have it air as two separate yeah. shows or whatever. Right, right. All right, so we're at the Skydome in Toronto. Vince McMahon welcomes us in. He says we got 25,000 fans, uh, all the stars, all big title matches. We're still calling it Royal Rumble Raw, so they're sticking with that, and they say we're going to get highlights throughout the night, which we do. They do deliver on that. Right away, we get clips of the rumble, including the end. Uh, and then we see Bret Hart pacing backstage. He's in his gear. We get our opening animation, and we go right to our first match, which is Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on Vader. So we're starting hot for this first two-hour Raw, head-to-head with Nitro. Like, they're right into it. Uh, we get a lot of pyro. Vader and Paul Barra come out to the ring. Austin gets a, a pretty good pop, but Bret Hart's right on his ass and attacks him. Uh, they brawl until Vader comes out, and the officials pull them apart. Uh, this very much has the vibe of, of an old school house show. The lighting is dim mm-hmm. around the around the stadium. It's dark edges. It's a spotlight in the ring. And as you're watching this, it, it was like glaring to me, like how crazy it is that this is where WrestleMania Six was. You know what I mean? Like it's such a like the Sky Dome was such a big deal for WrestleMania Six, and here it's just like this random RAW in January '97 with a dimly light arena. Like it's just, it's crazy. That it's like the same spot as Hogan Warrior took place in the same building you know yeah they did i mean they did some overhead shots at different points to uh show the crowd and it looked real impressive 
And then every once in a while, you would see the um, like the iconic screen that's yeah. kind of near the hotel, like you know the the infamous like war uh, Hogan's going to the back and yeah, watching yeah. Warrior, Warrior posing. Um, so that was cool. But yeah, I, I, from a production standpoint, like I mean, they just kind of did a big setup with the rumble, yeah. but. I thought it was definitely worse here. Like the ring sound was very yeah. weird and vacant. It was almost like the, it was mic'd differently. Um, and the crowd, I don't know. We'll get to it with individual matches. I don't know if it was just the matches themselves or they weren't mic'd well. But, um, I mean, historically, Skydome, I mean, for WrestleMania, Skydome is absolutely two for two with like molten right. crowds with six and 18. And I mean, <laughs> this wasn't a overly heated crowd, I'd say. I will say Austin's entrance, I thought was one of the cooler moments, mm -hmm. though, where you see him walk out and you can see like fans start to get to their feet. So that yeah. was like a cool moment to see. Well, it's interesting, too, because they knew this was going to be on TV. Yeah. So at least some of it. I know they didn't know they were going to be airing the whole thing, but I'm sure this was one of the matches that we were going to show. So oh, yeah. they didn't really prep it at all for like TV, unless they're just trying to, again, they're trying to save some overhead and run a little bit slimmer, but also present it as a big stadium. And maybe the cost, because they had just run, run the Rumble, right. you know, they wanted to mix it up a little bit. Who knows? But anyway, or maybe they just wanted a different vibe to try and mix it up from mm -hmm. the, the Raw setup. Yeah. All right. Brett gets dragged off as Vince says Brett was robbed of the Royal Rumble in his own mind. Austin follows into the aisle, but officials drive him off. Uh, they push Brett away. Austin recovers. We reset. He's unloading. JR and Vince run down the card. Vader rallies as Vince uh, says him and JR up in the skybox calling the action. Of course, clearly not there. Um, all Vader strikes as we get tons of rumble and heart talk. Vader sets up the Vader bomb, teases the moonsault. That allows Austin to come up and hit a low blow. After the break, Vader's back in control. He hammers away, lands a splash. Austin slugs back. He slams Vader. Hits a middle rope elbow for two. JR's hyping final four. Vince says, there's no bait and switch tonight. There's going to be two title matches. Vader hammers Austin back down. Austin goes low. Again, he peppers with punches and stomps. Austin takes out the ref out of anger. Vader pounces up and knocks Austin to the floor. They brawl there until we get a double count out. And both men are taken to the back. Um, there were some moments here, but they never really got going. The Brett stuff mm -hmm. kind of got him off on the wrong foot. The ref stuff and all the focus on Royal Rumble felt it was more like a, a setup kind of situation. We talked about this as a criticism on Nitro, too. It's like open with more of a low-key opener. I know you want to draw the eyes in, but don't spend that opener talking about everything but it if you're going to have two big names. Like, Vader is fighting. Both these guys are fighting for the world title in like two weeks. Like, right. this should be a big-time match. Um, they, they did protect both guys. It felt more like a fight or a segment. Um, so whatever, it's fine for an opening heater, but not a ton of substance here. I went two and a half stars, which to me is very disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I went two and three quarters. I, I agree that, um, yeah, it was, it was a little odd. It, it did feel kind of more like a segment I'd say than a match because I mean, we got the ref bump twice. We got this non-finish Austin low blow twice. There was a lot of kind of rinse and repeat um i think they were going for more of a fight feel but there was just like no control by either man and it, it kind of just felt a little um clunky i guess is yeah. the best word um I, you know I, I think if you do like a 
knockdown drag out fight, you can have that be heel versus heel and it's still engaging. Right. Um, right. but but this this was yeah, I mean I, I thought it was good enough just with these two in it, but I mean you think Austin versus Vader in ninety seven. I I was hoping that maybe this was something I didn't remember, but uh pleasantly surprised me and it it came in right around, you know, replacement level, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, they just didn't, yeah, amp it up. And again, the the commentary not fo- focusing on it to me hurt it as well. It just it felt like just a background fight. Right. All right, so let's hop over and see what Nitro countered that with. Uh, cold open, no, uh, none of their main opening. We get Pyro and the NWO music leads us right in. They are at the Mid-South Coliseum, you know, historic venue in Memphis. So, I mean, this is really, this is one of our best, like, venue head-to-head matchups that we'll talk about in the war zone. Like, the Mid-South Coliseum versus Skydome is uh, both iconic. Um, uh, And uh, leading with the big gun right away, it's Hogan, Vincent, and Ted DiBiase come out. Uh, Tony says on the weekend shows, they let us know that Piper would be at Nitro tonight. If he wants a title shot, he will get it. Um, and uh, <laughs> Hogan grabs a mic, says, let's get one thing straight around here. All you NWO lights know we are here on a mission from God. Number one, everywhere I go in Hollywood, California, from the Turner Time Warner deal to the German deal, and the ultimate deal in June that he's teasing. He says he heard that Roddy Piper has been there and dogging him. Hollywood knows that WCW shot their mouth off and offered Piper the title shot. They also let the word out that one leg Pete, the crippled kid, will be at Nitro tonight. He talked to Vince and Ted and him being a man of honor and said if Piper was in Memphis tonight, he would confront him. He's tired of the lies and the backlash and wants Piper to admit he is the better man. Hogan will put up the NWO title on the line. If Roddy Piper has the guts to come out here, the moment he sees him, he'll embarrass him in the ring and put the NWO belt on the line to beat him up, hit just like he did last time. Let the games begin. So I, I thought this was a strong, you know, gloaty Hogan promo. We've seen this before where he kind of gets real gloaty um, in the it's promo delusional. stage. Yeah, very delusional again. Um, but but it, this was, I thought, a good crowd for Hogan's act here. I, I think his heel demeanor plays well to the Memphis crowd. And I thought Hogan gives a great performance. You know how he, you know, he'll put it up the NWO belt again. He beat him up last time. It's, 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 it's kind of your Hogan delusion by the numbers, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good promo. It's smart to start off with Hogan coming out with NWO music. Mm-hmm. They knew it was a big night on Raw, so they were going to count a program right out of the gate. Right. Um, I like, too, they've actually done a good job by having Hogan talk up that, oh, I'll defend the title and do it against the Giant for a couple weeks because then it's believable now. It's not just him running his mouth and bullshit. Mm-hmm. We could see Hogan Piper tonight. Like, Hogan yeah. Giant was scheduled for sold out. A couple weeks in a row, Hogan was out on TV saying he would defend the belt against Giant, and they did it. So right. you're sitting here thinking, okay, we may get Hogan Piper. There's precedent now. So they've done it well with that by not making Hogan so delusional that he just like lies about it. Like he actually has stepped up and defended the title multiple times. So 
you know, this isn't like completely empty bullshit that could happen. So I liked that part of it. He said, Piper promises three fans he'd be here. Uh, Hogan says we'll crucify him. So it was, it was a good promo. I, I liked it too. It was a strong start. Yeah. You know, I'd say segment one nitro advantage, even though you're talking Vader Austin, um, you would think that would win in a match, but I, I found the Hogan thing more compelling. Interesting. Uh, so Larry and Tony give us kind of a quick reset. Let us know Piper is going to be there. They've told us that. And uh, Larry says the magnitude of his announcement is outrageous. So uh, uh, they also mentioned tonight is Jeff Jarrett versus Lex Luger. So they announced that matchup for later on in the show. Uh, that leads us right to our opener. We'll get a debut right off, hot off the press. Uh, Ray Mendoza Jr. versus Ultimo Dragon. Um, oh, man, this confused the hell out of me. So Ray Mendoza Jr., is Viano five? Was it four or five? He's, he's got the four in his tights. Exactly. The person <laughs> wrestling is Viano five. He's wearing Viano four's trunks. He's unmasked for no idea. I don't know if this has ever been explained. Uh, maybe Jonathan Black or uh, some Cubs fan I might have to reach out to. I I I can't. I don't understand why he's unmasked because he was not unmasked in Mexico to like 2009. So it's well, uh, because it's a, he's not as because I think this happened. I don't think this is like a one and done for him as Mendoza, but I thought maybe they're trying to get a cheap double duty out of him. Like, Oh, one time with the mask off one time with the mask on, Maybe, but, but he doesn't Lord, wrestle. Right? Like, the Viano's not on the show. So it's yeah, not like that's such a yeah. big deal. Like, well, not to that. I, I mean, give a shit. Well, I mean, but he can. He can say, right. I mean, you know, like Viano 3 is three years away at this point from having one of the most classic mass versus mass matches ever with Atlantis. So, anyway, it was very weird. Um, so, quick action to start. Good suicide dive by Ultimo. Uh, they talk about the Gaelic interpretation. Oh, it's been so translated. <laughs> well, we finally got the translation here. <laughs> So the big reveal for this Gaelic translation is the battle is not over until you get home. So there you, there you go. go. After after six weeks. Of, so it took uh, us a while to get there, but we were able to find a, a Gaelic translator. to break That's it exactly. I don't know who is fluent in Gaelic, but they finally stepped up to the plate and uh, figured it out. Uh, Tony says it's not over until he says it's over. That's his uh, reading of the uh, interpretation there. Um, Mendoza gets a, a good running lariat back elbow, head scissor takeover, uh, from Ultimo, and he gets a Rana from the top rope, and then the Dragon Suplex wins it. So, kind of your basic, you know, three minute showcase lucha match here. Um, it was fine for what it was, just didn't have much to develop into, you know, a long form match, two and a quarter. I, I will pinpoint and say, I think the thing on this is. This is what we talked about where I do think this Nitro carried a more like showcase feel like, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to have a lot of matches. I don't even know how many matches Nitro had. Probably a nine lot, or yeah. two. Yeah. Um, and, and this is one of those misnomers that we talked about where I think like, and maybe it comes, but Nitro for a while now is not having these like long form cruiser weight matches mm -hmm. that you might have expected if you watch uh pro and worldwide 
in this time frame, you're actually getting longer form matches. They're like six to seven minutes, but on Nitro, we're getting like three to five. Yeah, we're so. still in the Express Line Showcase era. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious when that starts being a thing. Is it the three hour era? Is it really that far away? Like, we'll see, I guess. I don't, it may uh, never. I don't, my theory is it's never as much of prominence as yeah. was presented or kind of in your head. So I do think we start getting more of them. And I think it may be in the three hour era where they start like giving two or three or four luchador matches a show just to fill the, the card out. But we'll, we'll see. Um, the, uh, the match itself, you know, was, I, I agree with you. Like they don't get a ton of time to really get into it. Um, just a squash for the most part. Dragon, I thought looks awesome. And the sharp pink tights. Uh, I thought those look good. Like Cruiserweight division is really picking up steam. So I went two stars on that. The one thing I'll say too, is though this shows like the Gaelic thing shows that they are, continuing to do a good job of slow burning angles and making nitro like one long episodic thing versus like even a week to week thing. It's like shit may not happen for six weeks. Like they're really spread stuff out. Like we started the gather thing six weeks ago Mm -hmm. and they may talk about it some weeks. They may not talk about it some weeks, but I don't know where here it is. We just get, we find out what it is. Right. We'll see that later too, where guys earn title shots. They might not get that title shot for like five months and all of a sudden they'll mm-hmm. show up and be like, tonight's the night, you know, so and so gets like they're pretty good at actually like keeping things on the back burner, simmering, and then they'll bring them up later. Um and, and sometimes it feels like it's out of nowhere. Yeah, I'd say with Piper, especially, because I mean he debuted at Havoc, he had one match, and he's about to have a second match, and he hasn't I mean, since Starcade, he only had what, one or two appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, but just they one. was it just the night after? Was that it? I think so. They I don't know if up. that was yeah. the night after or the January 6th. I can't recall, but but yeah, so not many. And um, they've done a real good job of kind of keeping him in the back of your head mm-hmm. so yeah. it doesn't feel like oh, he's kind of just coming in and swooping in, and you know, right? Yeah. All right, let's head back over to Raw. Uh, we get an ad for Thursday, Raw Thursday. Which is going to be uh, the next, the following Thursday, because the next mm-hmm. Monday has the dog show. Still, still bumping for the dog show. Uh, so they'll be live on the 13th. So on our next episode, we won't be head to head. We're going to have Nitro on the 10th, Thursday or Thursday on the 13th, which is, I'd say, it's probably one of the most, if not the famous, off Monday of Raw of these of this era. Like we get a few with the U.S. Open, we get the Friday Night Raw stuff, but like I think this is really like the most famous of the non-Monday Raws that we get. Between the sure. dog show and the U.S. Open, so yeah, um, we'll cover that next episode. We get back to the ring. Flash Funk is taking ah, Samoa Flash is dancing in the ring. The Nation of Domination music hits. The whole sports staff is out with Savio. Uh, Jim Ross is with them as well. We get a clip of Savio turning on Ahmed back at MSG. Ross asks about the fans. Savio says he doesn't care about them, and the Nation is number one. Doc Hendricks steps in to join Vince, and he's all fired up about the big Royal Rumble Raw. Uh, he hypes what's still to come. Savio works the arm. They dissect why Savio would turn on Ahmed and the millions and thousands of fans of his, according to Doc. Uh, Funk dodges the charge and gets a sunset flip for two and chops away. Savio avoids a clothesline, takes Funk down, and chokes away at him. Funk rallies, goes through a flurry, bops him around the ring. And uh, heads up top is the Funky Flash Flash for two. Flash is hesitant all through this, and Savio is not helping. He's definitely a step slow for him to really get going. Flash goes up again. This time he dives into the nation on the floor. He levels one guy with a hard kick. 
Flash uh, up a third time, but this time misses a moonsault, and Savio rolls over and covers him to win the match. Farouk and Crush show up in the aisle, and they meet Savio with a big hug to wrap that up. Really nothing going on here. Pure uh, house show fair. Flash had a couple spots, but it was clunky and hesitant because Savio is non-existent at this pace. Like Flash is trying to pace up, and Savio is not meeting him there. Uh, his offense is non-existent and really just, you know, the last couple of minutes were, were fine, but nothing beyond that. So I gave it the two because I thought Flash really worked hard, uh, and I liked the close. But beyond that, like, Savio is just still a vacant bunch of nothing here. Uh, so we we won't get his trumpet music ever again, right? Nope, we're done. Let's pour one out for that. That's a, yeah. that's a big, big uh, wrestling war zone milestone here. Um, we do get the Brequist theme though, and that's a good one. That oh yeah, that's, that's a that's kind of a nice like uh, yeah. remix or coda. Um, I went to Star and Ab. I I didn't like this. Um, Savio, you know, I would I would kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's trying to work out this heel, but I mean he he played heel so much in Puerto Rico I, and Quang. <laughs> Quang too, right. two years of Quang or a year and a half of Quang. Always, always want to put Fatu as Quang, <laughs> just because he was the Sultan. Yeah, he didn't make uh, enough of a difference, yeah. Right, um, but uh, yeah. So a star and a half, and and this this had one of my least favorite finishes, where um, it really looked like because Funk was dumb and like lackadaisical, he ends up losing because yeah. he like he took forever on this moonsault and he misses it, and then Sabio just pins him. It looked awful. Also, at one point where uh, Funk he ends up diving on D'Lo Brown on the outside, like the Nation of Domination was like kind of standing around ringside, but Vince is like, like when he dives on D'Lo, Vince goes, "Oh, they were so distracting. Good for <laughs> good for flowers. Like they were doing nothing. They were doing it. It's like all right. Like what is this? Like, I don't know why they had Doc pop in too because it's, I guess they're trying hard to make it like live. Well, yeah. Jr. is down in the aisle, so he's not. I guess. Yeah. They're doing all they can to make it feel alive, but Doc Doc was random. Uh, Jr. kind of <laughs> looming behind as the Nation of Domination theme picks and stuff. And it was just this this match had kind of like a few comedy of errors when you talk it over. But uh, oh, we haven't had Doc as like an announcer in a no, while either. Like he's no. been doing nothing. He's I guess he does like the the live dirty live segment, dirty live segments or the hotline shit, but like, or the store, but he doesn't do any of this stuff really. Does he not like calling matches? I don't think even on the weekend stuff, he's not, it's like, he's calling superstars. Uh, right? Did he take over when Cornette went out? He may have in January. Yeah. Any, and mean, anyway, like him and Ross have the history from mid South and then WCW, but yeah, he kind of just pops in here. I mean, he did do a bunch of commentary in like 95, uh, for sure, he was on pay per views, but like, I feel like it's been a long time since yeah. he's done anything. I'm trying to look quick what the commentary pairs were. So, after uh, Cornette, yeah, this this ends Wikipedia ends with Ross. Well, Cornette. I guess, I guess we can look on the network now that they dropped those 10. Yeah, well, there's only it's like six or so into 97, right? Oh, okay. Uh, in September 96, by March 97, it was solely a summary program. So I think there's like a couple. There's probably like six or seven without Cornette. So yeah, I don't. I can look at history of WWE and see if they have it. But okay. All right, let's move over to Nitro. Uh, we get Glacier versus Billy Kidman. 
Tony Larry still running down Piper versus Hogan. Uh, Larry says Glacier has a unique combo of styles. Um, again, I'll say this. Glacier, he looks awkward in some spots, but his actual like leg sweeps and some of his karate looks good. Again, it's Kidman, so they probably practiced this a million times in the in the uh, power plant. But anyway, uh, so it's good still luck Cornette, you. by the way. It, this all the way to March is hosted by Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, that's what I mean. Graham slash whoever these new people are have. I'll have to look at that. On the new ones that just dropped, because I mean, why? I mean, he got put in a body bag for God's sake. He ain't yeah, just this is on air week. Yeah, but it, on air, he's still he can't be the commentator next week after he gets stuffed in a body. Bag. <laughs> sure, he can. Okay. Uh, uh, so uh, tilt a world slam from Glacier, open palm strike, front kick. I thought this was actually probably the best and smoothest Glacier looked in the ring, mm-hmm. but the crowd just doesn't care. No. Uh, rolling back elbow sends Kidman to the outside. Glacier actually gets booed at this point, and then Kidman catches Glacier with a head scissors inside. He goes up to the top and eats a boot, and that gets the pin. Two stars, pretty generic. Uh, yeah, not a ton going on here. It's kind of the usual Glacier squash. I mean, Kidman had a little flash, but it's just nothing going on. I want I want to star in a quarter. Um, as well, I mean, we'll see if Glacier ever gets anything going when it's coming. Uh, a lot of talk, really, again, about Super Brawl. We find out that Luger and Giant are taking on the Outsiders um, at Super Brawl, so that's a big match. Larry's very excited that the Giants defected. It says the NWO is losing control. So that that's really the most important part of this match is the conversation around Giant. Right. Everything else but the match. So. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, that's why it's there, right? Back I mean, that's their big investment, but yeah, by this point, he was definitely, you know. Well, so I'm curious if they had the plan they have um, in place, like they know it's coming, or did they find it because they had nothing else for this guy to do, you know? What yeah, I mean? I mean, to me, it feels like a Hail Mary, but right. um, it kind of works, but we'll, we'll see. I'm interested to see that angle play out. All right, I'm pulling up the February 9th superstars here. Let's see. <laughs> Get to the Who, bottom uh, who opens up? JR's narrating. No, hang on the first like it's all clips of this raw. <laughs> all right, here's the open. Let's see. Riveting TV. We're gonna head back to Raw in a second. <laughs> we're not gonna bait and switch you on this. We're not gonna bait. we're gonna go back to Raw, I promise. <laughs> we're not gonna cover superstars. All right, here's JR. Sunday morning superstars. Sultan's oh coming my out. Lord. It's Cornette. He's on screen. That's ridiculous. I mean, he's why? on screen. Then, I mean, what, what? Then what's the reason? It he, must have just been to be get him manager? off of Vader. I think it was just to finish him as with Vader's manager. So, but he's on TV. I'm, he must do all these, and then it's done because it said that on the wiki page too. It said Ross and Cornette. That. Ruin that angle for you. It's over. That makes no sense. It's like what he can't manage, but he can still commentate. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I mean, why not? You got Doc right there. Just roll him out, like you oh, said. Geez. Um. All right. Speaking of Jr., he, he's back in the ring. Uh, he brings out Psycho Sid for a chat. Vince gets another bait and switch dig in here because he hypes the big uh, rematch tonight and Thursday or Thursday. Uh, Ross takes us through Sid's. Uh, journey as world champion. He beat Shawn Michaels. He beat Bret Hart before he lost at the Rumble. JRS said what he feels personally about Michaels deep down in his gut. 
Sid says their relationship is a weird roller coaster. You could say it's a friendship on the edge of madness. And Sean would agree that evil is just evil, and sometimes they're mistaken it for happiness. Evil showed up at Survivor Series for Sid, and in Sean's case, it showed up at the Rumble. When the coaster ride is over and goes up and down and comes to a halt, he'll be standing the man, the master, and the ruler of the world. I mean, a usual Sid. I mean, it was a little more focused than normal, I'd say. Uh, he's ready for Thursday Raw Thursday, where he's supposed to fight Shawn Michaels for the world title in a rematch from the Rumble. And then maybe head to Mania as champion. We'll see if he can win there. So was this a good enough hard sell for next week's Raw for you on Sid's behalf? I mean, I, th- I thought this was your pretty generic Sid interview. It wasn't, he didn't say anything like too outlandish that's, yeah. uh, that's easily clippable, but um, it wasn't bad. It was fine. All right. Back to Nitro. Well, did you get the Ross report? <laughs> That was fun. Oh, uh, I already moved. We'll go back. We'll start with that next time. I, I okay. think I have it. We do have an NWO paid ad. Um, yes. Six and DiBiase are hyping the black denim NWO jacket. It's $80 yes. plus $9.95 shipping from Warwick, Rhode Island, yes. where uh, apparently is their merchandise hub because this is now that's, consistent. That's a hefty price tag. 90 bucks for the denim jacket. Never on the denim jacket. Did you, no, didn't you say I'm your dad a, was a denim jacket guy? No. He was more of like a not a denim jacket, but more of like a denim shirt, like a oh, button down yeah. denim shirt kind of That's guy. He wasn't yeah, really a denim, like a jean jacket. You know, I love it. Uh, WCW Saturday Night, <laughs> pretty good looking lineup here. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett versus Hugh Morris, Ice Train versus Laparka. Oh no, I'm sorry, uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko for the U.S. Yeah, title. So that, that that's a feud that's really you know we saw it. And we'll see it a lot more and uh, spreading it out between the shows. Um, so that leads us into our next match, which is Ice Train versus La Parka. Um, really felt like you, you know, you you put in WCW versus the world and put it on random. Yeah, you got these two get. guys. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen, the, I feel like we haven't seen Teddy and Train in forever. Like, nah. like, we're seeing some new guys. Maybe that's why I did the Showcase Express because it's like a bunch of guys made it realize like we haven't had on in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You bring them back out. Uh, Larry proclaims it could be the end of the NWO at Super That's it. Bowl. It's over. Can, yeah. can you imagine? In 2023, <laughs> we still have NWO parodies and Larry's uh, gloomy. It's over. Three months later, it's over. <laughs> Good God. Uh, Train uses some power moves to gain the advantage. Tony gives a shout out to Randy Anderson. Says, I'm sure he's watching Bowl, even though he got canned last week. Uh, spin kick and a drop kick allows LaParka to take over. LaParka goes up top, hits a spinning kick. LaParka hits a dive on the outside, but he also hits his head. So both get in the ring at the same time. Train hits a real big lariat in the corner. I, I thought this was a cool matchup, and on commentary they did a good job of talking about how LaParka is like the biggest of the luchadors. Yes. So he works differently than, you know, like a Hoovie or some Super Colo, some of the smaller guys. And that makes Ice Train's moves look that more impressive. Right. And that happens here where he runs the ropes. LaParka runs the ropes and does a dive, and Train basically catches him, deadlifts him into a slam, which looked really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was nice. Suplex from Ice Train. Uh, Tony now has word that something's happened in the back. So well, and it was a head scissors, so you knew something was coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To the back we go. Uh, and we see Luger. Lex Luger laid out on the floor. Uh, beside him are the outsiders standing tall with some pipes in their hand. Uh, Hall's wearing a Lex Luger shirt, and uh, Nash is wearing a giant shirt. 
So uh, they're, they're taking out their opponents for Super Brawl right after the match was just announced. Um, cut back to the ring. Ice Train gets the big splash and wins it. I, to me, shockingly fun little match here. Mm-hmm. Um, not bad at all. I went two and a half. I, I enjoyed it for what it was, and I liked the little angle in the back. I thought that was cool, too. It just adds an extra live vibe to it. It's not, again, it's not something they do a ton of, but when they do it, they, they kind of make it count. Um, Tony did a good job, too. He really goes through a full explanation about how the WCW committee gave Piper the title match. You kind of run through that. So Tony always does a good job adding some logic to some of these things that come out of nowhere. Um, they say Ric Flair is here. The Steiners, like, they got a lot going on. They shout out Randy Anderson. So kind of a lot of uh, talk throughout this match. And it was fun as well. Yeah, I agree. Parker really always shines in these spots. Train, we've kind of been on the train train too, right? Like we've, he's always been pretty good in these little bursts that he gets. He has some good power strikes. Uh, crowd was into it too. It was a little long, but they had to buy the time for the backstage antics. So I went two and a quarter. I'm surprised Vince never brought an ice train when he was done here. Um, I guess maybe just a WCW loyalist because I know he pops in and out from time to time, but it seems like a dude they would have liked. I guess he's a little short, but He's like a big, strong guy with a good look. Yeah, he feels like he could have had some sort of role, uh, especially like you know, as as I I don't know that they go more gimmick heavy, like in '98, '99. I, I don't know, but like I mean, like Ice Train versus somebody like Shamrock actually sounds very interesting in like eight or nine minutes. A yeah, little and they needed bodies on the undercard in like '98, even '97, '98. But I know he's there for, because when's the MI Smooth and all that crap? That's like 99, 2000, uh, yeah. right? So he's wow. there for a while. It's going to be a long, a long journey with Ice Train. And I don't think he's one of the guys that they acquire, right? Like that are up in the sky so. by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, back to Raw we go. We get the uh, hotline Ross Report tease that we referenced earlier. And we're going to have updates on three people Sonny. Okay. Yokozuna. And Brian Pillman. So, you know, Sonny's whatever. But we have not seen Yokozuna and Pillman in a long time. We'll never see Yoko again. I mean, we saw him, I think, last at Survivor Series in that Survivor Series tag. So, he's a guy that's forever rumored. If if you were any kind of hotline caller or dialed into AOL uh, in news groups at the time, (laughs) Yoko was always rumored. Always, always rumored to join the Har Foundation, to join the NWO. Hogan was going to get his win back. They were going to bring him in to fight Hogan. Like, there was always rumors about Yoko. Constantly rumors about Yoko. All through 97. So, I don't know what Ross has to say here. Probably calling him a fat fuck on behalf of Vince, my guess. That fat fuck lose, I'm white. Come back. Um, Pillman is getting closer to returning to TV. So, he starts... Uh, when Shotgun switches off of the bars and goes into the arenas, I believe he starts doing color commentary for a couple months, and then he beats up a fan, gets suspended, and then he comes back when he's ready to, to work. So I'm guessing maybe they, were, they probably just are saying he's getting closer to returning to action or something like that. But And who knows what's funny. I mean, she's obviously around. So. Uh, all right. They don't bait and switch, though. They just, they showed her sex tape. They advertised. They don't bait and right, switch. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, they don't. No. All right. British Bulldog and Owen Hart are backstage. Vince McMahon talks to them about the Royal Rumble. Owen eliminating the Bulldog. Owen says they're on a roll. They don't need Vince stirring things up. But he says he did it by accident. It was every man for himself. Bulldog scoffs. We see some more footage of Bulldog calling him an idiot after he got eliminated him. Idiot. And then Owen, 
you idiot. Owen and Bullock then bicker some more, and Owen says he's not an idiot. <laughs> they argue over uh, who's carrying the team. But Owen, you know, Owen has a good rep as like a comedic guy, but I think the best part of him is those one-liner hits that he'll drop in in the middle of an argument or a loud. It's like he just like out of nowhere will say like I'm not an idiot, but it's like two minutes after we said an idiot, like it's is lingering in his head and he had to defend himself. And that's the when Owen's at his best when he, you know, watch his watch his knee. You know, we'll see that soon. But like those those little lines are what what makes Owen great. Cut. Uh, nice nice new haircut. He's gonna win the Royal Rumble. Yeah, the British Bulldog. I've got a history in Royal Rumbles, and tonight I'm gonna remake history by winning. This night's Royal Rumble tonight because I'm bizarre. I love the tonight's Royal Rumble on tonight. This night's Royal Rumble tonight. This night's maybe not tomorrow night. This (laughs) This night. Um, Yeah, Bulldog's. uh, He's got the. uh, What's he got now? The slick back. Yeah. yeah, I'm bizarre. I mean, did, was that Hulk Hogan's strategy in 1991? <laughs> he was bizarre, so he took out Earthquake. That's it. So he won the Rumble. All right, um, we're back to the. Yeah, good. Well, are we? We we could maybe talk about it uh, at our year or at our show in, but um, this felt like Bulldog versus Austin was <laughs> the show because it's all comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Do you think they knew by now about Sean's knee? Well, I think that was some of the context that I know Jonathan commented on. Mm-hmm. I need to look and see when that actually was, like when Brett had the meeting. Because, I mean, the, with the interview, they're still gearing towards Brett versus Sean in the next interview segment. But Right. Well, here's, so here's what Jonathan said about okay. um I'm sorry, it wasn't Jonathan. It was uh, Pronk B 0 oh, on YouTube, another yeah, another loyal one. viewer, which we appreciate. He said, uh, I don't think this came out till later, but Sid was apparently going to win the bell back. I think we knew that at Thursday or Thursday, yeah. Yeah. which would leave Sean Brett as non-title and Sid defending against Taker. In tough times, Vince always went back to the big guys on top. This is part of Sean's issues, not only doing a job to Brett, but also after jobbing to Sid. So that's what I've always heard too, that it was going to be non-title that Brett was just going to get his win back. Cause they didn't want to put the bell back on him. They, t- they wanted, they want to take her to get the run. So I think that was always the plan. It's Austin. That's the tricky part in this. So, yeah, I don't know where yeah. he fits in yet, but, but this, I mean, we'd seen them kind of shifting away, but I thought this was the first episode where it was like, there was no mention. There was no kind of, do you think they had Bulldog Owen in mind? For me, no, I, I, I actually think, um, I think they were leaning towards Bulldog Owen versus Vader Mankind with two teams tagging together and that you're are kind arguing. Of seeing like who's yeah. gonna break up in that match. That's kind because, of my thoughts. I mean, is there any possibility they were planning on Bulldog Owen for the European title at Mania, like now, the cool. finals? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe they're at least batting ideas around. But to your point, like, so if it's not Austin Bulldog, Austin is completely lost right now. Yeah, that's he's the piece I don't know who you match. Because if you tie up that tag team, you have Sid versus Taker and you have Austin versus Hart, unless they were going to make that Pillman. like a triple threat, maybe Pillman coming back or something. But it's, it's, it's definitely a lot of moving pieces, which we'll yeah. get to. It almost seems like what happens with Sean coming up actually puts stuff in more clarity. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing they, they, I think as of this day, they probably still had Austin Bulldog as a possibility. And then 
they had to have known Sean not far before this, like leading up that week. I mean, we're only we're ten days out from Thursday or Thursday. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know when he exactly made the call when he stopped right. smiling officially, but, but it had to be soon. All right, so uh, we have a tag title match here. Furnace and Lafon, who've been scuffling, get, do get another title match against the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Vince says it's the largest crowd to ever watch a Monday Night Wrestling show. So another dig there, which you know he's not wrong, I guess. No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't mind. Yeah. I mean, they mentioned it a lot, like the twenty five thousand six twenty eight or whatever. But I, I didn't mind that because I mean, it is what it is. They got it right, so yeah. good for them, yeah. Bulldog and Owen head out. Owen shits on Canada. Uh, we see clips of the recent interactions with these teams with Owen using his slammy. Ross is back in the booth. Doc is there, too. Uh, they talk about the issues within the champions. Ross blames Clarence Mason, says he's got a lack of focus, and he's consumed with the nation. Bulldog and LaFon start of the map. They trade some offense. Bulldog catches LaFon on a dive. LaFon slips free. Bulldog crushes him with a clothesline. Vince says Doug Furness has the flu, and Doc says, well, it worked for Sean. Owen tags in, and him and LaFon trade some switches, so LaFon grabs the arm and cranks on it. Furnace tags in, but Owen goes to the eyes. Ross goes through the usual Furnace and LaFon resume. Bulldog tags in. We reset with LaFon as Doc tries to drive more of a wedge between the champions, saying Owen gave away the advantage. Furnace cranks a headlock. Owen comes in and hits Furnace with a spin heel kick. Works through Furnace as Vince talks about Shotgun, Invader of Mankind, trying to come together as a team. So to your point, they were seeming like that was a conversation piece here. The champs dominate Furnace and push back on any comebacks, slowly working through the offense. Furnace deadlifts Owen into a German. Bulldog cuts off the tag, keeps control. Owen cuts off a comeback with a hard clothesline. Him and Bulldog start to bicker. After a break, the champs are back on the same page. They're controlling Furnace. Comes back with a belly to belly on Bulldog. The crowd is completely dead. LaFon calls for and gets a hot tag. Not very hot. As he cleans house, they wake up a little bit for it. LaFon grabs the near falls, gets a swinging DDT on Owen. For the win, but Owen's foot was on the ropes. The referee waves that off. We start again. Bulldog and Owen double up and pound on the fawn. Bulldog dumps Owen by mistake. He gets hurt on the floor. Bulldog gets a power slam on the fawn, but Owen is counted out as he was the legal man. Owen hobbles around, and then in a great Owen spot, he, he runs down the aisle and then stops and holds his knee, and then he runs back down the aisle again, so clearly faking it um, to help keep the titles. A, a pretty good match. I mean, it got, it got plenty of time in a traditional structure. Classic heel work by two of the masters. A good analysis throughout that the, the commentary was actually pretty good, talking about the angle and the upcoming events. A lot of focus on Lowell's Thursday or Thursday. Bulldog at Owens' reign and division could be so much better if they had teams that could work like First and Lafon this whole time, even though the problem with First and Lafon is they don't have a lot of heat. So, like, we finally get a good team that could work, but the crowd's not that into them. Uh, wonky ending with a dusty finish and the double team stuff, uh, but a good hard fought match. It, you know, got clear time, played into the story. So, I went three stars. And as we're talking through it, Chad, is it possible the plan wasn't Bulldog and Owen versus Vader of Mankind? Could it have been Bulldog and Owen losing to Furnace on the Fawn at In Your House? And then Furnace on the Fawn versus Vader of Mankind at Renia with Bulldog versus Owen? I don't think so. I I I mean I, I didn't like this match. I went two and a quarter. I um I'm hard pressed to think of Two guys that have came in and been booked as bad as Furnace and LaFon. Yeah, they look like. I mean, they look like right goose every time because, I mean, it's one thing they're not getting great crowd heat. That I think that's partly just them and their charisma not resonating. But um, but man, like, how could you cheer for these losers? Because even in this match, like Owen gets counted out, so they technically win. But at the end of this match, LaFon is, like, down for the count because Bulldogs hit his power slam. So LaFon's out. 
and furnace uh he gets taken out like and is on the outside of the ring forever like it's like three minutes where he's just out of pocket like gone um i i don't know like i mean maybe they get a little bit of the false finish here where hebner counts the fall but owen had his foot on the bottom rope it's just Oh, it, it, it's just painstaking, like, how bad they're being booked. Well, Logan Owen had been so protected during this run, like, so protected in this feud of the person of the where you're setting up. I mean, they're going to get a pay-per-view shot in, in a week and a half or two weeks, and it's like they've done nothing to earn that shot. Bulldog and Owen beat them in singles no. matches. They win here by count out. But it's like, I mean, what have they done to look strong in any way to be the top? They should have never fought until Final Four. They should have had Furnace of the Fondest running through other... I know there's not a ton of teams, but you've got some teams you can have them beat up. Have them kill the Rockers. Have them beat the Godwins in a respect match. Throw a couple other bums together, Leaf and whoever else, and like have them pick up win after win after win and be undefeated going into Final Four. Now you're talking. But like this, why do they even deserve a title shot? They've gotten worked over every time. Yeah, yeah there's no justification for that. And I feel like it's just like they can't... Like Owen and Bulldog as a team unit is at their worst right now. Yeah, like yeah. they're busting at the seams. You got this Clarence Mason deal that they keep talking about on commentary. So like they're down bad. Like this is, you know, like the, the football team, like the coach is in a scandal, the team, you know, is in disarray with injuries right. or whatever. And it's like now this team can't beat the other team, even at their worst. Like they yeah, get yeah. this cheap count out victory when one of your dudes is like like, I mean, LaFon literally had his shoulder on the mat when the bell rung at the end of this match. Um, so that drives me nuts. I mean, otherwise, like, I, I do think, like, Owen's comedic performance was good here, but it's it's still kind of one of those things where I, I would like more focused work on, like, their heat segment. Um, I think that's just, like, a stylistic thing for me where I, I'm more, you know, prejudiced towards – liking like southern style tag and they don't really do that we're like we're gonna work an arm or we're gonna work a leg and tag in and out real frequently um it just feels more disjointed to me but yeah i i just i mean with this coming out i was like all right they're in a big crowd they're getting a lot of time this is it and then my boys furnace and lafon who i love in japan they they look i mean i keep going back to that article cowboy wrote on place to be nation like eight years ago on final four where he called them nobodies and i was so like <laughs> i was so appalled but like now you watch this angle which he didn't but like like if you watch this angle in retrospect like they are nobodies like yeah. it's like they're they look like bumbling idiots. Like Ross could talk about their Japanese credentials all he wants, but they they can't. Yeah, no, they haven't been presented well at all. Um, no. And I'll tell you, even in ECW, like they have some good stuff. But then before you know, the furnace is with Lance, right? Like, and I don't know. They just, they just don't ever connect. I, I think it was bad timing in the WF for them in a way. It was good timing because they helped the division, which needed it. I just think they're better as like heel assassins with like a mouthpiece. Like Cornette bringing them in as revenge on Bulldog and Owen. Would have yeah. been, should have been the way to go, right? Yeah. All right, fuck you. Here are two badass wrestlers that can kick your butt in the mat, and Cornette's going to do the talking for them. Like, that's a way to bring them in. But you can do that because Bulldog and Owen are in this weird flux where they're <laughs> pr- protecting Bulldog for Austin. They're trying to have them at odds. You're not going to do like two heel teams. It doesn't make sense. So 
it was just like bad timing for them. But I think that would have been the way to do it is to have them come in with Cornette as badass, you know, ass kickers or whatever. So we get more highlights in the Rumble that uh, shows Ahmed Johnson chasing off Farouk after he eliminated him. Ahmed's backstage. Vince chats with him about his big tag match tonight. Ahmed says the Rumble was nothing. The war is just beginning. And we get a recap of events. Ahmed gives more warnings that he's off his Prozac and anything could happen. Uh, and he's going to take out Salvio as well. So uh, it, it was usual manic Ahmed, but the Prozac line is really funny. Well, that was funny. But then, you know, Taker comes in like surprises all men yeah. chokes him. Um what was I mean, why did they have tension? Just because he's the undertaker or I mean, I was, Yeah, well the teaming, right? I think it's his taker. Teaming, like, but it's don't just fuck like, up. This dude's been a face for three years now. All of a sudden he can't team with it. I think they're trying to play it that he's on edge. He lost to Vader. Okay. Paul Bear turn on him. Like he wants the title. I think that's what they're trying to get over is that like he's kind of finally had it and doesn't he's like sick of bullshit. It, was, it seemed like a lot of a lot of angst from the dead man there to choke out his partner. Don't fuck up. It's kind of how I came across. Okay. Uh, so we go back to Nitro. It's time for our uh, big horseman interview. Gene calls this the only show on Monday nights. So the horsemen, all the horsemen come out. Sands, Arn Anderson. Benoit says the horsemen are going through a transitional period. They're plagued by injuries and internal communications. But there's a flip side, though, and in trials and tribulations, you find out who your friends are. The biggest accolade he's had in his career is being a horseman. He takes pride in being one. The horsemen now have a new perspective. A woman gets on the stick and calls her Jacqueline, so we have a name here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She name drops that. Uh, and says, girl, you can go with what you know, but you just have to take solace in that you're getting her leftover. So there we go. Uh, Mongo calls Gene Slappy Boy, and he tries to <laughs> grab his, boy. This was great. He tries to grab the microphone, and, like, Gene will not relinquish it. No. Like, he still hangs on to it. So, so like, a good, uh, a good showdown between Mongo and Gene, of all people. Uh, but he tells Benoit anytime he needs Mongo, just dial him up. He then says, hey, with Luke's Lake's Luger laid out, he'll challenge Jeff Jarrett to a match tonight. And he uh, wants to show us the difference between a Shetland pony and a four horseman. Uh, Deborah says she doesn't want to brag on herself, but she won 318 pageants, and she won that by scoring the highest on beauty, but also on intelligence and in the interview portion. She has an IQ of 145, <laughs> and as soon as she says that, Tony laughs, which was a great moment where he like audibly laughs on commentary. Uh, she also scored the highest in swimsuit, and Pamela Anderson is jealous of the way she looks in that. Now she isn't one to gossip, uh, but she says Jacqueline when they when God was making faces, Jacqueline asked for another one, and she has a great face for radio. So there we go. Uh Deborah just absolutely crapping on everybody. Uh Gene, I guess, got the signal to wrap it up because he says, Nature Boy, wrap it up for us, pal. When he says to Deborah never takes a breath. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Flair comes in and says, familiarity breeds contempt. We've worked through it all, and we're reunited. Arn Anderson's laid up in a king-size bed. Jacqueline, no one with a boyfriend named Shorty, walks next to the nature boy. So that's uh, that's how he ends it. Um, again, they're showing that the horsemen are reunited. 
Um, I feel like... Would you consider this a dropped angle? Because I feel like it's like they were having problems, and now they just kind of come out and be like, "We're it's over. The problems are over. Yeah, like we're done. Like so, maybe they're not. So let's see if they're not. Maybe they're just trying to compensate. But it felt almost like they were trying to write off this four months of nonstop promos we'd have about strife by just saying, "Oh, things are better now. It's over." But we'll yeah, see. It I, could just be I, them I, trying to cover up. I think they could have done a cool moment. Which I, I honestly can't remember, like what comes of this, but they could have done a cool moment where, um, you know, like Ben Wall's in trouble or getting beaten up by the Dungeon of Doom, and like Arn runs out, and with Mongo, kind of, you know, him, you know, pushing Mongo along with the Halliburton, you know, saying like, you know, you need to be on our side. So that could have reunited it. I, I, there definitely could have been more uh on-screen reconciliation because what we got it it seems like it was off screen like they were right. at the they were at the yeah they could have been on and you know maybe arn arn like hobbles out or whatever you know whatever it is yeah. and it's like look i'm my, my career's in trouble i need you guys to pull together for me and they they all shake hands or something yeah what yeah because we could i mean they even like flair is not like the Jerry Seinfeld flair you were talking about. Like he's not doing that anymore either. So they no. even could have done that too, where Arn was like, Hey, we need you to step up and be the yeah, leader and you know, like rally us. Maybe they maybe they figure he's maybe they know he's getting closer to coming back. Because when when's he yeah. I mean I guess it's not till May, but maybe they figure they're gonna start ramping up a little bit and yeah. they are gonna use them in a pretty big spot soon as well on pay per view. So maybe they knew that was kinda coming a little All bit. Right. So maybe they just figure it's time to start getting serious. Like they kinda burn them a bit for a while just to slow burn this and now it's like okay we gotta we gotta make them legitimized so um they don't even get the horseman music tonight they, they get flair's music which is interesting oh, uh man. and then you know so yeah arn's out i guess yeah they, they say he's in the king size bed yeah. um flair also says woman wore me out and hurt my arm and then and benoit so it's like he's almost like does is benoit ben, does he mean before this or is Benoit lending lending her out to Flair. Um, hey, and then, you're uh, the leader, it comes with perks. And then Gene at the end, when Flair does his usual, he's whatever. Gene says he's having a fit, um, which reminds us <laughs> it felt too much like Vince and Phineas for me. So that's where Flair's at right now. He's Gene's Phineas. <laughs> he's having a fit. <laughs> uh, time for our uh, next tag match. It's the Steiner Brothers or Solemn um, Heat. Uh, Faces of Fear, Public Enemy are in the stands this week looking on. Power Slam by Steiner to start. They clean house. They do their pose to a big pop from the crowd. Sherry gives Harm Heat a pep talk. Uh, Tony says, fight fire with fire. Uh, Talking about like WCW versus NWO. Larry says, hey, that's stupid. You fight fire with water. So a nice correction (laughs) from Larry there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stevie Ray clubs Rick Steiner. He actually clubs his headgear off. Rick comes back with a big back body drop. Uh, Harlem Heat regains control, but Rick hits a power slam, makes the hot tag to Scott. He cleans house. Steiner gives him the butterfly suplex, uh, but that gets broken up abruptly as the faces of fear and public enemy hit the ring and kind of attack both teams. Um, I, I, I thought this was a kind of lame finish, um, but again, I thought this was one of two moments that it was savvy with what Nitro pulled out because Raw was taped, so they probably right. knew this was going head to head with the other tag match. And this match had a lot more heat than that one. So, I mean, this was a lame finish, too, like the other one. 
Um, but the action was much more heated here. It was shorter, but uh, it was kind of weird, like watching the shows back and forth like I did. It was it was kind of alarming that, you know, these legends, Owen and Bulldog, you know, like this kind of, I mean, Steiners and Harlem Heat are too, but it was like, it was night and day. Like this had much more yeah. heat. So I, I went two and a half for this. I It was fine. The finish was lame, but whatever. I went two and a half as well. I mean, it's a good tag match. It's quick paced. It was short on time, but it was hard hitting, you know, big bombs. The Steiners always bring that. The crowd was vibing on it. Uh, I didn't mind protecting both teams to push the mayhem in the division and like, okay, we got four teams on the mix, but I feel like the Steiners are just back, should probably be above those guys. Like they kind of got screwed and sold out. It's like they lost and are coming down the ladder. I know they've presented it that Bischoff has said the Steiners have to work their way back up. So maybe that's what this is meant to be. Um, but I will say, adding the Steiners has made the division feel like it's been brought up and not that the Steiners are being brought down. So these teams actually feel like they're up a level just by being in with the Steiners. So two and a half, um, you know, I like the mayhem aspect of it. It's just, I think the Steiners maybe should have won and then the big brawl versus, mm-hmm. versus that. All right, back to raw uh, for the big anchor match is gold dust is taking on crush. Uh, Savio leads Crush out, the rest of the nation, except for Farouk. He's the only one not here. Undertaker's up backstage, just what you mentioned earlier. He grabs Ahmed by the throat and threatens him. And Taker says, I guess if you put this context to it, too. So he says, because Ahmed wants to go right now. And Taker grabs him by the throat and says, if you go right now, you're going to have to go alone. If you wait for the match, we'll bury them together. So it was almost like he was trying to, like, shake him. Like, listen to me. Like, I'm being serious. Don't go now. Let's beat the shit out of him later. Instead of you going and getting knocked out by all of them. So I guess that's the context behind the throw grab. But um, we check out some fans for earlier. Goldust and Marlena sashay down to the ring. Vince and JR hype up the size of the crowd. They get more bait and switch comments. We start with a lockup and some strikes. Goldust clotheslines Crush to the floor. Crush is back. Goldust takes him down and works the arm. Ross hypes up the big weekend loop in Pittsburgh and East Rutherford and says SummerSlam tickets are going on sale. Uh, August 3rd in East Rutherford. So pretty early for this era to already have tickets on sale for SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, the crowd's pretty subdued. Vince hypes up shotgun, which will take place in Penn Station this weekend. Very slow Goldust offense or work in the arm. Uh, Hunter Helmsley comes out. He's smirking, but he backs off. Crush jumps Goldust during the distraction. Hunter leaves. Crush hits a hot shot on the rail and takes over. Very sluggish offense. Ross calls the nation a pack of street dogs. Crush gets two on a belly to belly. Goldust comes back with a pile drive or counters a pile driver with a back chop, hits a DDT. Goldust goes through some offense, gets some near falls. He sets up a curtain call, uh, but he stands like a dope until Savio comes in and hits him with a spin kick and Crush finishes him off with a heart punch. Um, <laughs> it was better than it looked on paper. I'll say that, I guess. Uh, slow, though. Slow. Um, you know, they, they kept Crush's heat segment quick. I'll give him points for that. The timing was silly as Goldust stood there for a while until the finish. I mean, I'm going to, I don't know what I was, in the time, I guess I was feeling it. I gave it two. I'm going to knock it down to one, though. Um, I, was, I was aghast when I opened yeah. up our spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I was maybe half watching it, but uh, I went, I'll knock it down to a one for this. I mean, crush, crush on offense at one point. He literally, like, the nerve hold, I thought, was the laziest submission move. I mean, this ain't even a claw hold. Like, he basically has um, he has a Goldust's, his hand on Goldust's hand like this. <laughs> and that's all he's doing. I mean, what is that? Like, that's a, it's like a scalp massage. massage. It was, it was, this was awful. Um, and then, hey, 
you know, Goldust, like I said, he's had great matches well into his career, but you can't just say like he's inexcusable for this. I mean, this this is bad on his part too. He's going nowhere soon. Um, he's he been dog shit here. since King of the Ring. I, I mean, honestly, he has like yeah, he's a couple a rough, little glimmers with with Morrow or whatever, but mm-hmm. for the most part, not good. I mean, his bulldog didn't look good here. Um, did get my favorite WWF production screwing up where the shotgun Saturday night graphic doesn't work. Vince goes, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and immediately that goes away. Um, yeah, I mean, this just sucked. This was a lot. Do you think match. his goldless knee is still fucked up, maybe to the point where it's hampering him that much? Like, I don't know. Well, it's, I think, yeah. I think the, his positioning on the card is part of it where he's just not invested. He's the um, upper mid card. He's in the IC title. Yeah, just he, base. I, I mean, mean, he's been jobbed out to Crush yeah. here. I, I, I will say, I think Crush is the. I mean, say what you will about Marrow. Um, I mean, he sucks too, but his matches are better than Crush. To me, right. Crush is the worst wrestler we've seen that's getting a semblance of a push since the Hogan stuff in April. Right. Um, Does it excite you he, to know that we're going to get this match on pay per view this year? Goldust Crush. I, I I can't. I I I don't. I Crush is bad. Like like Crush is just bad. Like oh maybe maybe he shows something when we get to the DOA stuff. But oh my god! Like when I was so like his his offense was bad to begin with. But when he when he literally just like pressed his hand on top of Goldust's head and said terrible, like I was like, I'm done. Like, what even is this? Like I and Goldust working the arm. Like I love arm yeah. work, but this meant nothing. Like the crowd yeah. was you crowd didn't give a shit. Arm, yeah. So. It's tough. I mean, it's almost like a double edged sword doing the show here because like it's a cool look, it's a sky dome, you have yeah. this big crowd, but they're fucking yeah. dead. It's so it's like it almost yeah. makes it worse, you know. Um this, I this also, was a tough I, show for me to rank. The first hour of this was rough because I was disappointed. Yeah. Like, this is kind of the end of the first hour of Raw, and there's right. not one segment that I thought, like, outkicked their coverage. If anything, everything was disappointing. Um, so that yeah, makes I think it Vince, tough. they must be doing commentary live, right, is my guess, I, yeah. because... Yeah. So they're doing it live in the studio, not at the show. They're they're in the right. studio on that Monday I, night talking as it's airing, right? That's what I think. So, yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's go over to Nitro for hour two. Uh, yeah. Our hour two. Pyro goes off. Tony talks about this is the hour that sets the standard for pro wrestling. Today and Bobby are here. Bobby says WCW needs to arm themselves up with pipes. Um, we get the clip of Hogan and the Outsiders. Uh, that leads us into our opening matchup for hour number two, which is Mike Enos versus D Malenko. Uh, Tony puts over kind of the talent roster, how fleshed out it is. Uh, this this was a pretty generic match too. I'm not gonna lie. Um, they they kind of try to work a, a big versus little style match mm-hmm. where Dean has to use his resourcefulness and kind of craftiness to gain the advantage over Enos, who's the bigger worker. Um, so Dean works over the arm. Uh, it's a little better than Goldust, but still not not exhilarating for me. Um, but but that contrast of the size was at least something to kind of grab onto a little bit. Six comes out of the crowd uh, to a nice reaction, and he steals the cruiserweight title. 
Um, so that I mean, him and Dean are facing off at Super Brawl, so that that kind of heats up that feud. Uh, it feels that feud actually to me feels a little bit too much like a rehash of what he just did with Eddie Guerrero. Eddie, yeah, it's like the same thing. Yeah. So so it is what it is. Uh, Dean doesn't even see him when he comes out after the match, but uh, Dean's able to win with a cradle again, showing his resourcefulness. And then after a match, he goes to get his title, realizes it's been stolen, and then he gets pissed off. So I went two and a quarter. I, I didn't think there was a whole lot of meat to this bone either. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. A lot of Piper talk. Bobby says if, Pi- if Piper came back to wrestling, he'd be the biggest star in both wrestling and Hollywood if he wins the title. Not even yeah. John Wayne did that. <laughs> That's what he says. Not even John Wayne came to WCW to win the world. All right. There you go. Uh, um, yeah. Not so wrong. Six, no, he's, it's accurate. Uh, six seals the title. And I love after the match. So Malenko's looking for the bell. And Mark Curtis, to let him know who took it, puts up six fingers <laughs> to let him know it was six that took the title. Six took it. It was like the Van Buren boys. Uh, the eight fingers up. <laughs> like six took the title. Made me laugh. Um, Pretty bland, uh, just a backdrop again for six, but it was good. And Mike always finds a way. And Enos, I mean, if we're talking end of the card, you know, whatever fodder, like you look at Raw versus Nitro, like Enos is not bad, right? If, if this is your back end of Nitro, Kidman, you know, Ray Ray Mendoza, um, you know, mean Mike Enos, like th- those are all guys that can work matches, like they're fine, you know, Bobby, and though we still roll out him every now and then, like they have pretty good low-end dudes that mm-hmm. are proliferating pro in the other shows and then come up here and can put on a four-minute serviceable match. So, you know, Raw will have to find those guys because they're going to be going two hours. They need those dudes well, at some point. I mean, they, they kind of had them when they brought in those veterans, it felt like, but now yeah. they're gone. Like, Freddie Joe's it's gone. South Sierra, I think, is still lingering, but, like, there's not many others. Oh, so I guess Flash Funk is sadly kind of falling into that already, yeah. but... Bark Gun, I guess, is hanging around. So you got some guys, but um, not a lot. So yeah, two and a quarter for me as well. Uh, all right, back over to Raw. Uh, we get a v- new vignette for the Blackjacks. Uh, Blackjack Mulligan is back. First time since 1987. Uh, <laughs> talks about the legacy of the Blackjack and said the Blackjacks will ride again right, hard yeah. and fast. So uh, Blackjacks are coming, Chad. We'll see what that's going to be. But uh, Mulligan is back with us. One of Gorilla's favorites. Uh, we get the Army Slam of the Week, which is Shawn Michaels defeating Sid at the Rumble. Vince McMahon then brings out Shawn Michaels for a chat. He wakes up the crowd finally. Kind of a split reaction, but they're at least allowed. Yeah. Uh, Ross is hyping up Shawn on commentary. Vince talks about Sid's comments about the title bringing out the evil uh, from both of them. And Shawn says, a year ago, the belt represented everything good in the World Wrestling Federation. But now things are different. Sid's wacky, but he's right. The title brings out the worst in some including himself. Vince is all flirty smiles here, by the way. I mean, he is gaga for Sean. As Sean's cracking jokes, says that being bad is what you have to be, then he'll be the worst he can. Sean says turnabout's fair play. He gets his jollies in San Antonio, and now people of Canada can share their appreciation for Brett. I thought this was a pretty cool production piece. Brett is in Gorilla, and so it's not him backstage on a monitor. He's in the Gorilla position, kind of looking up at the big screen. So I thought that was like a cool, different-looking touch to, you mentioned earlier, kind of show off the size of the the stadium that they're in so that was kind of cool sean says he's won most popular enough times that he doesn't care anymore he just wants to be number one vince talks about brett and sean not seeing eye to eye he has sean to reply to what brett has said sean says he's used to being disliked as an honest champion just like everyone hated muhammad ali when he was champion but now he's the goat 
Sean says Brett could be the best if he wants to call himself the best, but he'll not call himself WF champion. Brett Hart comes out to a pop and he says, Muhammad Ali uh, is the way he pronounces it. Yeah. I don't this, think so, but maybe Dennis Rodman. <laughs> this was all par with the Usos. That, yeah, the uh, Usos. Brett, Brett's pronunciation of Muhammad Ali is something I've never. Yeah. I took, I took a clip of Muhammad. Mo, Muhammad. Like instead of Muhammad, it's like yeah, Muhammad. Like Muhammad Ali. Ali. Uh, Ali. Ali. He almost gives it like the, the Rotella, the Kevin Ali. Um, it's, you know, Muhammad Ali. Ali. I don't think so, but you may be Dennis Rodman, which I think Rodman had just the cross-dressing stuff, I'm guessing, and that's why he said that. Uh, Brett says Sean summed it up well when he called himself a degenerate. He may pride himself on being a total jackass, but says they don't have to like it, and Sean is just a punk. Brett tells Sean to stop him anytime. He wants Sean, uh, so anytime he wants. So Sean does. He says he can be all those things and still be a champion. Stone Cold is out. He attacks Brett. They brawl on the floor. Sean struts around watching, but Sid comes in. The crowd is buzzing. Sid barks at Sean as Ross takes us to break. Um, this is, do you want to just hit this a little bit? Even though technically so we after. From break. Okay. Right. Uh, so we come back from break. Sean and Brett are in the ring. They're peacocking over the title. Sid and Austin are gone. Sean goes to pick it up, but Brett steps on it and uh, picks it up himself instead. Sean's ready to fight, but Brett throws the belt at him and leaves. And that's that. So, Look, I, I mean, I, I this whole thing, I say it every week, is pretty well done. We haven't had this much variety and big-time names fighting over the world title in a long time. So it's still exciting. Sean is hokey. It's just what it is with this character. Um, you can tell he wants to get a little bit edgier, and Brett's almost trying to bait him into it. Uh, but I wouldn't say this is as hot as the face-to-face we had at the beginning of the year. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but still pretty good. The crowd's into it. Austin and Sid had a lot of chaos, and this is really the first hot segment and it makes you, I would say it was a good sell for the big week coming up. It's a good sell for, for Thursday or Thursday. And it's a good sell for final four and eventually for mania. Yeah. I I like this when Brett came out. Um, I, I thought once Brett came out, it was a good kind of dichotomy between him and Sean. Good kind of comparison piece. Um, when Sean was on the interview on his own, I, I had some issues because, I mean, he talked about it in his rundown. Like, he, he literally says he's won most popular contests so many times he doesn't have to worry about being popular anymore. And then 10 seconds later, he says he's very used to being disliked. Like, what is it? Are you popular? Are you not? Are you? I mean, I mean, when he was saying, like, this crowd may be partisan, and you want to cheer your guy like San Antonio cheered me. I, I thought that was fine. It was just the back and forth. Like he, he kind of, I mean, he does come off as a jackass. Uh, but but once Brett came in, I, I thought it was cool. I liked that uh, they kept emphasizing the title, which if they were going to fight and it was non-title makes it a little odd. But for the moment, I give it a pass because I did like how Sean kept bringing up like, you know, he's still WWF champion, and Brett, you know, is not, and he walks out with the belt. He actually does, Um, when they come back from break and once belt, uh, Brett retreats and Sean picks up the belt, he does the click, you know, sign to the to the uh, camera. Um, he, he, there must have been a camera right on the uh, apron that he does it to. We're, we're still in the hard cam, but we still see it. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall it was cool and I like Sid coming out. I mean, we, we really don't see what Sid does. Um, you know, 
kind of a little bait and switchy, honestly, like where Austin and Brett are brawling. They're having a good brawl. Sid gets in the ring and he's yelling. Um, but then we go to break. And when we come back, they're like, oh, they got rid of Sid and Austin. So, so we don't really know if anything physical happened there. Um, but, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a good segment. I agree with you. Not as great as the, uh, opening of the, um, what is January 6th or whatever. Yeah. That makes the first face to face that you forgot. We forgot about. This was probably my favorite, uh, since then, I think so. So I, I thought this was a really good segment once Brett got involved and walked out there and the crowd really came alive, which was neat. Well, and if you you kind of thought maybe it's a house show with some film, like to get the big interview segment like that, it's like kind of a big deal too. Yeah. Um, on Nitro, we got Stagger Lee for the one eight hundred Collect Road Report. He's in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he says the party's moved. It was in Atlantic Beach, now it's a Neptune Beach, and we're going to be making a stop at the University of North Florida. So I don't know how long this Nitro party goes. He's he's going to three different locales <laughs> in two long, hours maybe. apparently. Um, anywhere we go, everyone's hyped for the next week's Nitro. And yesterday was Ground Weasel Day, and Punxsutawney Bobby stuck his head out of his condo. And we got six more weeks of bad taste. Uh, today, I love that one. He gave a big cackle. Uh, Bobby says he hates Lee. He's a miserable human being. And if he was popular, he wouldn't have to go to three parties in a night, which is real funny. Um, I, I actually, this is one of my. I thought it was one of the better road reports so far because I thought both guys are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the condo, for whatever reason, that saying condo really popped me. It was just real, real funny because he yeah, could have said pops his head out of his hole or his yeah. house, but the, yeah. his condo just made it seem like so yeah. much more ludicrous. Bobby seems like a condo guy. Like, yeah, you know, he's got the condo on the beach. Yeah. 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 Down a Boca. Condo down yeah. a Boca. So I, I was, it was a good line. It was a good line. Yeah. Uh, time for our Dungeon of Doom interview. It's uh, it's Sullivan, Jacqueline, Jimmy Hart, and Conan out there. <laughs> Quite a crew. Uh, Gene says, I heard your handle is Miss Jacqueline. I mean, is she on Instagram or G? It was handled like, was that uh, yeah, that was a little weird. That's a pretty state of the art. The Gene saying, I heard your handles. <laughs> like, <laughs> copy serve. I hear you go by Jacqueline, yeah. Uh, Kevin says he thought he was moving into the spot because the horsemen were unraveling, but uh, he's the leader and he let his personal life crumble. He forgot where his strength really lied. She was there for him 10 years ago. Just because it's hard on him, he's going to make it hard on everyone else. Uh, Before you see the light at the end of the tunnel, the darkness comes. And so uh, he's sticking with her. Jimmy is pissed at this development he says women in wrestling are trouble he hates women in wrestling uh gene says i think you hate women in general i'm starting to think uh then conan uh speaks some spanish basically says uh jacqueline's a a hot piece of ass but uh, yeah we need to take care of business uh he wants to take out benoit tonight and then uh, here comes Jacqueline calling her Deborah McMichaels. Deborah McMichaels. Uh, that Jacqueline then has the audacity to say she didn't have to go through plastic <laughs> surgery to get a body like that while pointing to her, obviously, uh, breast implants. Yeah. Uh, Gene says, hey, uh, we don't know anything about Deborah. So Gene's sticking up for Deborah here. Um, Nancy is just jealous of her while she was doing traveling. On the road, she uh, Jacqueline was with Kevin, 
And then Sullivan has the final word and says, Benoit, Benoit, this, Benoit. Isn't, this isn't ending tonight. Uh, and then he says, Nancy wore your warm arm out, nature boy. But And he's sure that's true because everything else is either dead or doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, and Jacqueline has the belt, I should mention. And she says uh, she will beat Nancy like she stole something if uh, Nancy sticks her nose in her business again. So, uh, she she don't worry about my belt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was good. I, I liked it. I mean, like, I think it's a pretty, a pretty good two-week introduction to Jacqueline. Like, they, she looks strong last week. She looks like, you know, a, a very strong mouthpiece, a very strong... Ba- you know, second second for Sullivan uh, to battle woman. I think it's kind of they probably could have used this role a little bit earlier in this feud. Um, yeah. So glad we're here. Uh, Jimmy really is not happy uh, at all, <laughs> at all. Uh, and, and even says, "I think you're here for another reason. I'm going to get to the bottom of it." So we'll see if that reason ever comes to fruition. She does say she works hard in the gym and she's all natural, and she plays it up. She basically says, "I stole Kevin from woman." And woman got jealous, and that's why she then left Kevin and went with Benoit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is good. Like, it levels the playing field a bit to bring woman into it. You, you would think at some point maybe we're going to get some kind of mixed tag. Perhaps. Uh, we'll see. But Jacqueline not being, like, very polished and smooth on either the mic or in her mm-hmm. physical interaction, I think it's actually helping a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Because woman is, she's been around forever. She's great, but she's. Still awkward in spots. Deborah's very awkward. So, yeah, adding Jackie's presence and confidence is a big addition. Yeah. Uh, next is our next match Dallas Page versus the Renegade. Renegade comes running out there. Poor guy. Uh, I thought Page continues to have a little bit of an updated look, but it's kind of cool because he still has a cigar. He's still giving himself a self mm-hmm. high five. So, again, we need to try these things, see when that goes away. He's also still kind of working as a heel. Uh, he gives a back kick instead of a clean break, and he gives a big slap uh, to Renegade. Uh, Renegade gets a tiny bit of offense with a handspring elbow, uh, but then he goes up to the top, gets crotched, and uh, Diamond Dallas Page gives him the Diamond Death Cutter, as Tanae calls it, which is basically from the uh, top, from rope. top yeah. rope. So uh, that, that wins it for him in two minutes. I gave it a star. Yeah, star for me. It's just a squash. Um, Today, problems follow women anywhere in WCW. Uh, This is kind of an old TV title feud rekindled as well. So, Um, you know, today puts over Paige. Tony calls Paige a low life. Who paid and paid off Bobby. He's taking money, but you know, he's kind of putting it over. Like this dude isn't like a good guy, but he's taking on the NWO, so we're going to back him. That's kind of where we're at right now. Right, he's standing tall for the company. Right. Uh, so the outsiders come out with pipes at the entranceway. They're banging them on the uh, set, so you know they're legit. Bobby gives his infamous see ya. <laughs> um, uh, Paige looks T- nervous. Tony won't let him leave, though. Tony doesn't let him go. No. Stay you here. stay here. You stay here. Uh, so Paige looks nervous. Tony says it's the first time we've seen fear in Paige's eyes. They kind of start stalking towards the ring. Uh, but then all of a sudden we see Sting in the uh, crowd. Uh, coming through kind of one of the one of the uh, entrances at the crowd. Savage is out in another area of the arena. Tony lets us know they're on uh, both sides of the arena. And then Dallas grabs a chair and uh, gets back into the ring. So we kind of have a stalemate here and the outsiders walk away. This, I think, is the second 
uh, piece of the kind of counter programming where they knew there was going to be the big kind of main event interview segment here. So they put Sting Savage in this spot, uh, have the outsiders out here. Um, and nice elevation for Dallas Page. So, so I like this little angle here. It, it was nothing major, but I, but I thought yeah. it was cool the way it was done. Is I mean, the outsiders are coming after Page. We're not. We don't have the B team. So, like, he's an important target for them. We're not right. sending out Bagwell and Wall Street. Or, or I mean, like, the outsiders are coming out. So big deal. Bobby also knows that Sting and Savage are wearing black and white. So he he yeah. points that out as well. So. Yeah. What is that? What, what, look at what color Savage is wearing. Yeah. Okay. So, little uh, either foreshadowing or a little. Whose side of is he on? He should have said. <laughs> All right, uh, back to Raw. Ross narrates clips of the big contract signing for Tiger Ali Singh. Happened on Raw uh, before Raw went on the air. So the son of Tiger Jeet Singh, I think we mentioned him briefly before. It's a big deal. It's Canadian, so they do the big signing here at the Sky Dome. So we'll see. Uh, Early early Shane McMahon appearance here. He he was on the execs there. Uh, Tom Pritchard also, not Tom Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard is out there. And uh, Brett, <laughs> big, big, uh, guess a big Tiger Ali Singh guy. Uh, and then in, in, uh, Singh's little promo, he says, uh, among the allegiance of great Brett Hart, he'll carry the Canadian flag all over the world. So I wonder if Brett was training him, maybe. That's why, probably Canadian. That's why he was out there. I, yeah, I know he, he trained because he trained now. Rocky too, right? Like during this time yeah. in Shamrock. Yeah. So I think they had him training some guys. Yeah. So my guess yeah. is he was working with them. Yeah. All right, back to the room we go for one of our favorite feuds on Wrestling Warzone as Wild Man Mark Merrow gets another IC title match against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Just like Furnace of the Fond, I don't know how this guy keeps getting fucking title matches. Like I mean, he's had a million of them that he's lost. Uh, Vince makes another bait and switch comment. Merrow's in the ring. Hunter marches out. No holds barred. But Sable and Curtis. Uh, Butler Curtis are bar- barred from Skydome. We see clips of superstars. Curtis helped Hunter beat down Ahmed. Sable kicked Undertaker as well as superstars. Sable's trying to get a little physical lately to help save Mero. So, uh, <laughs> Taker's interactions on this show all over the place. So he's yeah. fighting Mero on superstars. I know. I was like, what is this? Why are they even yeah. fighting? It's, it's... Well, they were definitely starting to hit that Mero's developing an attitude and Sable right. getting aggressive. So, um, I also think we could probably put Curtis on the dropped angles this mm-hmm. week or next. I don't think we see him again. I think this is the last time so pretty pretty quick run we hardly know you pretty quick run for the butler he may get mentioned but i don't think we see him again uh we ease in with some strikes and switches jr talks about hunter outsmarting mero to win the bell in october vince makes it a robin hood joke which they just love hypes up la femme nikita ross jokes about having to interview sid while vince gets the young ladies like nikita uh hunter stalls and begs off to catch breathers from mero we reset hunter hits a kick vince reminds us that hunter is facing ahmed johnson at final four Mero follows out to the floor, pours it on the champ, finally showing some aggression. Back inside, Mero eats knees on a slingshot splash. Hunter works through his offense, plays to the crowd, cuts off a comeback with a facebreaker. He's hammering away. After a break, Mero turns the tide, fires up a rally. Mero throws Hunter to the floor over the top rope as Ross says Hunter is being out-wrestled. Mero gets a somersault plancha to a pop. He follows with a slingshot leg drop for two. Hunter cuts off a charge with a boot. He goes up top, but Mero blocks him. Hits the top rope Rana for two as he hurt his knee on the landing. It is slow to cover. Hunter gets a tilt-a-whirl, slows him down, takes off the turnbuckle pad. Mero comes back with a and drop. Hits the Mero salt for two, but Mero fights off Hunter until the and shows the ref about the turnbuckle pad. That gives Hunter an opening to hit him with the brass knucks and pick up the win. So pretty usual match with these two. Hunter, as, you know, as usual, gets, gets a little offense, eats a lot of shit. Um, I'm assuming this is it for them, given where Mero is... 
heading in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I don't think they rekindle after that. So I think we're finally done with the, and it's, it's been a long time, Chad, but even then it's only been like 10 months. You would have thought these guys had a rivalry for years with yeah. how much they fought. Like Mero showed up at WrestleMania. That was the end of March and all intents and purposes were done here on February 3rd. So um, almost a year, I guess, but it's been a lot of marrow. We'd have to go back. We should go back and count how many times these guys have fought. Like it's gotta be a, in tags and singles. It's gotta be a ton. Um, just a ton. Marrow, I thought was at least aggressive in this match. He felt a little bit more legit, not as lame as usual. Like when Hunter punched him on the floor on that segment of Roddy collapse. Um, the crowd is sleepy. It's not helping. I like the finishing stretch. I thought it was the best Marrow's looked in a while. So I went three stars. I do think they worked hard. I think it's probably the, the best match to this point on the card um, up until the main event that we're going to get. So, I mean, if Mero was like this for the run, I'd be more into him. But like, it's too little too late. It's a it's a team that's trying to win in the last week of the season with like a 2% playoff chance. Uh, it's a little frisky. Loses a big week 17. Maybe feels good for next year. Oh, my God. So I just went to cage match. If you put in Hemsley on Mark Marrow's cage match, they had 77 total uh, interactions. That's how shows and everything. But that's just till this point. Right. And on Raw, they've had one, two, three, and then pay-per-view four, five, six, seven. Uh, they had a superstars match. They only had three eight, on Raw. Eight times. I know. I mean, it feels like more, but yeah, only only. Does three that count the free for all in your house? Uh, good friends, better enemies. Uh, yeah, that actually they count those pay per view. Okay, yeah, I count. And that does that count the tag team. stuff like the him and Lawler? No, it doesn't include the dark match. But yeah, that includes the. another one. There was a dark match. All right, and yeah, it did include the tag. You said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hurt. Triple H and uh, Lawler versus Goldust. Yeah, right. So let's call it 10, 10 times they fought in yeah. 10 months. Yeah, I mean, they just had a lot of interaction. I mean, the crowd doesn't care. I, I actually thought this match was pretty good. Uh, yeah. I went two and three quarters. Like, I like the work here. It's just the heat was non-existent. The finish was fine. Um, oh, Overall, this was a solid match. It was just two guys that I'm done with, and they need to do something else, which they do, but it's just like, I mean, we had, I guess we had to have one for one last go uh, to see it. But yeah, I mean, overall work was fine. Um, finished, like I said, I, I thought that was creative. Um, not, not much more to say. Uh, that Vince had a weird bickering argument in the middle of this where at one point he says it's way too early to go for a cover considering, uh, you know, how quick in the match it was. Right. It was dumb. And then, and then Mero, like ten seconds later, goes for a cover and almost gets the near fall. Like it's it's a two count. Um, and then Vince runs down all the uh, attendance figures and says that's a testament to the popularity of WWF Live. Um, so there we go. But yeah, I mean, a, a very long match again. All of Mero's high spots look good. Uh, Hunter looked resourceful. I, I I still say I think I think of all the prospects, like Hunter has been one of the more consistent mm -hmm. ones. Like. Say what you will, it's not – I guess it's not a surprise to me that they would be wanting to push him based on what we've seen. Like, he's somebody you got to get behind. Yeah, you look at it. I mean, every every match, probably three stars for the most – like, he had two or three quarters. Of yeah, three he, has, like, he has a pretty high floor, yeah. and um, he's, he's 
you know, still saddled with a little bit of the blue blood gimmick, but it's 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 becoming and Mero. Less, he's been saddled with Mero. Like Mero's been Mero. cooked in Goldust. See, like he's been in with two tepid faces that aren't yeah. really presented strong, that aren't great in the ring right now. So he hasn't really had a ton of matches against like you know, we, he had one with Brett and Sean, like whatever it was early in 96. And since then, it's just been, I guess he had Austin at Buried Alive, which is one of his better matches. So it's yep. like beyond that, it's, you know, it was Henry Godwin, Mero, <laughs> and then uh, Goldust. So it's been like the bulk mm-hmm. of his stretch in here. So, right. Oh, it wasn't the free for all. It was Mero fought ex uh, kid at that free for all. I was thinking it was Helmsley. It was kid. It was Mero kid. Good friends, better enemies. Mero interfered and, and caused it. Sensley versus Mero in a dart match. Dart match. No. Right. They, they might have fought a dart, but on the free for all, they did Mero. It was Mero Kid. Okay. Got you. Um, all right. Back to Nitro. Uh, back to Nitro and another kind of random generator match here. Super Colo versus Alex Wright. Tony runs down our ticket sales, mentions the uh, Omni Nitro coming up on March 3rd. Uh, so Alex Wright works over the arm. Clo kind of flips around. They do some chain wrestling. Clo uh, climbs the turnbuckle. He slips, and Alex Wright immediately jumps on him. So that was good kind of covering up there. Uh, Tony's asking uh, Tanae and Bobby to give an interpretation of the uh, translation of the Gaelic phrase here. Uh, but then he mentions that Dusty on the Saturday night show oh, said God. the battle isn't over until he says it's over. So, that, I mean, of course, that's, that's, that's literally what, what he said. said. I heard that's the Gaelic. What, what is translated, Dusty? Like, oh. Sweet Sapphire used to talk Gaelic to me all the time. <laughs> I was expecting some, like, you know, really poetic hard times here. Yeah, I mean, I mean you literally quoted what he said. Uh, so, uh Belly to belly suplex from right. Colo comes back with a huge crossbody to the floor. Uh, he gets caught with a drop kick from right coming in. Another big dive from Alex Wright, uh, but he gets caught on the top and Colo's able to hit a superplex. Uh, but then another head scissors from the top by Colo and he misses a dive and Alex Wright gets a missile drop kick to win it. This was this I thought was another kind of cool showcasey <laughs> cruiserweight match. Alex Wright I think always looks pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a right guy for sure. Yeah, yeah, we're we're he's, I'd say he's his stock's been up. Uh, just watching from this show, he always gives again uh, another pretty high floor guy. Like nothing, I don't think he's had any great matches, but he's 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 had a lot of uh, very fun little TV matches. I think '97 is a good year for him. I think we're going to see some good stuff coming up. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to it. I want two and a half. Here. Yeah, same for me. Two and a half. Uh, a lot of Piper talk. Bobby gets a good line. He's just marvels that Kolo's hat never comes off uh, during the match. It's just funny. We're uh, like logging tonight. Yeah, yeah, he was a lot going on. Uh, sloppy early, Kolo was off, but Wright kind of just followed his lead and they got into it. Uh, picked up late, There's some really cool stuff at the end. But again, we're just talking all the big news. Like, that was the main reason for a lot of these showcase matches tonight, a lot to get across. Yeah. So, I, it was fun. It was it was a messy, hard-fought way, but it was messy in a fun way. So, right. and I liked Wright getting the win because, again, I think, I think we'll see some pretty good stuff from the 97. All right, well, we'll go ahead and enter our next match on Nitro. Conan versus Benoit. Uh, Conan's very aggressive right away. He's uh, beating him up. Jimmy's kind of clowning on Benoit on the outside. Benoit fires back, muscles him to the top, hits some huge chops. This is just a very aggressive, mm-hmm. hate-filled match. 
Um, one of my favorite Conan performances, actually, that we've seen. Uh, Superplex from Benoit, which looks disgusting. Uh, Conan comes back with the Splash Mountain. Uh, Tanae calls it like the Conan power drop or some nonsense, <laughs> but uh, that gets to uh, Benoit is able to gain control, and out comes Jackie with the belt. Benoit, I thought this was a clever finish to do this. Uh, Benoit then just kind of dumps Conan over the top rope, causing a DQ immediately, but then he gets on the outside, takes the belt from Jackie. Now, Jackie's looking under the ring for something. Yeah, she um, cannot, she, something she thought was going to be under there. Benoit ends up saying, get that lunatic out of here. So I didn't, I didn't know if like she was supposed to be looking crazy or the what I, I kept thinking maybe. I think there was supposed to be hair. something under there that she was supposed to grab yeah. maybe and swing. She finds like a bottle of water and then like Benoit woman just stand there awkwardly. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if it was a rib, if they fucked with her. They told, oh yeah, there's something under the ring and then it could go either way with WCW. They could have just yeah. fucked up and not had it there that they were supposed yeah. to or yeah. they could have used it earlier and didn't realize it or Someone, you know, played a rib on her and, and took hit hit something or whatever. <laughs> when she uh, when she walks out to ringside, I'm pretty sure she got pelted with an egg too that came from like the opposite side of the ring. Like somebody hurled something. It looked like an egg. Um, so that was interesting. I went three stars for this match. It's like four minutes, but it's a fight. Like this is a yeah. fight. Um, and I enjoyed it. I mean, it we're in like the aggressive Benoit era for sure. Like the yeah. real heightened aggressive Benoit. He's I know a, it's 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 such a prickly path. I mean, you don't want to praise him, but I mean, Benoit right. looked, looked, looked incredible here. He did. It he is what it is at this point. I mean, we, yeah. we're not glorifying the human. We're just talking right. about what he did in those days. Um, uh, a lot of Piper talk again. They said the last time we saw him was right here in Tennessee, being stretched out with oxygen, yelling in <laughs> Gaelic, of course. Um, yeah. Conan, uh, was, yeah, he was really good here. Uh, a lot of uh, Tony fretting that Hogan's never going to lose the WCW title, uh, how the NWO set things up for him to, to protect him right now. Uh, but this is a fun fight. Like you said, it was Conan was really good on offense. Uh, Benoit was nasty in his comeback. Just two guys wanting to end the feud. Um, so it was a good brawl. Weak finish, but they had to do it. Um, post-match was awkward. The feud has been amped up. Jackie's added a whole new volatile, you know, firebomb into this mix so we'll see how things go but i thought they deserved a couple more minutes but maybe they would have heard it i don't know maybe the four minute aggressive sprint was what they needed so right. uh three stars for me on that uh, all right let's go back to raw for our main events and uh first we get uh highlights of jerry the king of Lawler's antics at the rumble one last rumble clip and then we head to our main event which is the undertaker and ahmed johnson taking on farouk and mankind so pretty big match here uh weird random match but pretty big one no rules uh chaos on deck here some cool pairings farouk and the whole support staff of the nation are out mankind and paul bearer behind them uh, all to the nation music which is funny and then um mankind does the the fist raise which i thought was pretty funny uh as well with farouk <laughs> um we get clips of vader mankind struggles from a week ago we get another Thursday Raw Thursday promo during the break. Then we get the Western Union Rewind, which was Crush, who's on a hot streak. He beat Ahmed a week ago, if you remember. He beat Gold us tonight. After yeah. the ads, Ahmed and his 2x4 come out to a pop, followed by the usual chilling Taker entrance. We start with a big brawl. All four guys are going at it. Ahmed goes right at Farouk. Taker and Mankind go to the floor. Ahmed gets a big spine buster as Taker beats on Mankind in the aisle. Vin soaks that Crush and Salvia or MIA. As Farouk grinds Ahmed with a chin lock until Taker serves a hard punch. Uh, one last bait and switch comment from Vince here as he seeks it into the end. Taker works over Farouk. Taker eats a boot on a charge. Farouk cuts him down as Mankind claws at Ahmed. Farouk is barking at the crowd. Taker sits up and takes over. Ahmed throws Mankind into the post. 
Clarence Mason goes to the locker room, but Ahmed chases him. Taker cracks Mankind with a headbutt. Jarrett says there's been no teamwork at all in this match. Savio and Crush come out. During a break, we get Doc Hendricks running down the live events. We have Pittsburgh. We got Bethlehem. We got East Rutherford, Lowell, and Cincinnati on Valentine's Day. Who else? Where else would you rather be than Cincinnati eating some shitty Skyline chili on Valentine's Day? Back to the match. Mankind has the claw on Undertaker. Farouk and Ahmed are outside. Ahmed comes in and breaks the hold. Hits the Pearl River plunge on Mankind. But Farouk comes in, hits a Dominator on Ahmed, dropping it really hard on his arm. Uh, Farouk covers Ahmed, but Taker makes a save and kicks a chair into Mankind. Ahmed fights off the whole nation. As Vince says, these aren't has-beens. These guys are in their prime. Taker chokeslams Mankind as Ahmed chases off the nation with a board. Farouk and Mankind double up Taker, but Ahmed smacks Farouk with a 2x4 and stalks Farouk off. Taker fends off Mankind and uses powder, but that backfires. Vader comes out and splashes Taker, drags Mankind to hold Taker up. Vader swings the chair, but Taker ducks and he cracks Mankind. Vader whacks Taker with the chair, but Taker no-sells it to a pop, fights off Vader, and finishes Mankind off with a tombstone on the chair. A pretty fun brawl. I like the unique setup and combo. We're embracing the chaos. WDF clearly feeding off some of the ECW-type energy um, to bring some live liveliness to their show. You can tell they're going to make changes. They got some horses to do it now um, while they're building the undercard. So give us something more exciting, a little bit more riveting, a little more violent. Um, I think Vince is going to use this new setup of Raw to break the moldy aesthetic that they had and use that to also start taking more shots. I think he's he's like, fuck it. It's time to fight back, right? That's the vibe you're going to get now over the next few weeks. Is like, all right, we've been stomped on enough. We got to do something. And I'm going to start running my mouth. And whether it's Vince Russo coming to power, which he does over the next few weeks, Shane McMahon stepping up more in his dad's ear, clearly he's getting a little bit more, you know, ballsy with his with his talk in the booth. Um, good finish of those comeuppance, but didn't end the issues. Uh, the commentary was good. The crowd buzzing. I, I liked it. No, no stop. I mean, they didn't stop at all. The pace was good. So I went three and a quarter. That was a very good main event to close off. I'm lower. Uh, two and a half for me. I think this was hurt by watching the Benoit. Yeah. Right, you did it that way. Yeah. There's more. I thought there was more desperation on that. And then also having in the back of my mind the Benoit Sullivan stuff that literally does go all over the building. Right. Plus what ECW was doing. This just kind of felt tame by comparison. Um, the action in and of itself, I, I did like that they didn't try to have any semblance of a traditional tag. Um, so I like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, at one point, like Ross is like, they're fighting all over the building. It's like, well, not really. Um, yeah. um, I mean, as far as like violence in this match, uh, Mankind takes a couple of decent uh, shots into the post. But, but overall, it, it was, it, it just felt kind of tame to what we see elsewhere. Um but but the pairings were fine. Uh, was this the first time Taker did the quick raise up with the pyro? I didn't remember that. Yeah, maybe. Um, we haven't really it had. Really cool. Yeah, we haven't really had. I guess the setting to do it, maybe in those little raw buildings or something. But yeah, yeah. It, was, it was cool. I think that was. I, I made a note of that. Um, the stuff of Vader and Mankind was well done. It's kind of like a receipt for what happened the week before. So yeah. I thought that was good. Um, and then the choke slam on the chair kind of wins it for Taker, which which was fine. Um, he's really beating up mankind a lot here, but but I mean it's one of those things like he's he's already beaten him now a couple times at this point. So 
Taker's getting raised up. So so I didn't I didn't think that was awful that he took the loss. I mean, overall, I thought this was a solid main event. I just I just thought like in comparison to other mm-hmm. stuff, it was like they kind of had the bones of what could have been a really good match and a really good brawl. They just haven't kind of actualized that. And I do think they progressed very quickly into that. I mean, obviously, like one of the best the best match in company history happens like a month and a half from now. And that's a brawl that does go right, through the ground and very chaotic. So, so they're getting there. It's right. just I didn't think they were all the way there. And we've come a long way. I mean, we have. We're, you know, whether this was a great main event or not, Lake Ross come a long way in in a short time. Um, and and we'll we'll see over the next few weeks. Like this as this trial period goes on. Uh, so our uh, in-ring main event for Nitro is Mongo versus Jeff Jarrett. We learn Lex Luger's Donna able to go. Uh, Deborah's kind of reluctant as uh, Mongo kind of drags her down, but he's all happy, smiling ear to ear. Uh, Mongo attacks Jeff when he struts. Uh, Mongo's in control. They talk about Deborah saying she knows talent when she sees it. Power slam for Mongo gets two. Bobby mentions that he told Vince Lombardi one time that winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. <laughs> Janae says that uh, we thought Hogan and Bischoff were specialists at revising history. And Bobby's like, yeah, Vince never gave me uh, credit for coming up with that. Uh, yeah, inverted atomic drop and clothesline from Jared. He goes to the top and hits a crossbody for two. Drop kick from Jarrett sends Mongo to the outside as we get our finish where Deborah's arguing with Mongo, telling him he has to stop, enough's enough. Um, and she grabs Mongo as he goes back into the ring, and Mongo ends up getting counted out. Uh, Tony on commentary is yelling, be a man, Steve. Uh, but he gets counted out here. Jarrett gets the win, and Deborah looks very happy with herself and turns to the camera, smiling. And uh, says, I just don't know what happened. So, so I mean, I, I thought that was a fun finish. There wasn't much to the match. I want a star and a half. Yeah, I mean, it is whatever. Jarrett, kind of a light night for him. He gets the closer spot, but really I didn't see him otherwise. Yeah. Um, his night's all flipped around. It's supposed to fight Luger against Mongo. Tony reminds us Super Brawl is three weeks away. So a lot going on here tonight for Super Brawl. Um, yeah, just all the stuff with Mongo and Deborah and Jarrett's all on display. That's really the whole point of this. Um and the finish is whatever. Deborah helps him win. So we haven't seen, even if the Horseman's Strife is put to bed earlier, is what they said, Mongo is still in, in it with his wife and Jared Out here. There. So yeah. he's still in the soup. Um, yeah, Jazzy will come back from Jarrett before the finish. So, uh, don't win two stars. It was fine. Okay. Uh, uh, Wayne, Super Brawl 7 promo with a guy like, basically in a construction site, kind of saying like we're rebuilding WCW brick by brick. They're their promos have been terrible. Like their pay-per-view video packages, their promos. This this was bad. This this was Adam and George bad. Um, uh, Now it's time for our big main event segment. The interview segment with Roddy Roddy Piper. He comes out with his son. Nice pop for him. He says he's in Memphis, Tennessee, home of the king. He'll never be an Elvis Presley, and Hulk Hogan will never be a Roddy Piper. Says there's something he doesn't understand. He already beat the guy. Would the Packers play the Super Bowl again? He then introduces his son, Colt. He wants Colt to say it's an honor to be in Memphis, Tennessee tonight. Colt says that. And then Roddy says he's been on the road his whole life. He needs a license to hunt, fish, but any jerk can have a baby. Takes a man to be a father. It's time he grew up and became a man. So he says no thank you to the title shot. He has nothing to prove. As that happens, the NWO music fires up. And we get Hogan, Eric Bischoff, Ted DiBiase, and Vincent. They come out. Piper, I thought Piper was great 
Terry. Calls him Terry. Says, Terry. hey, don't do this to me, man. Yo, stop. I'm not here to do anything. Terry, I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart. Let him. Go, let me go home. Hogan says, that's kind of weak. Terry, please don't do this. Mocking him. And then he says, drop to your knees and beg for mercy, Piper. You claiming to be the icon. Bischoff laughs when he says that uh, Piper claims to be the icon. He had a chance at the NWO heavyweight title, but because he's so humble, he declines. You've never been a heavyweight champion. Bringing your boy out here. Don't tell me that you didn't know what you were doing. You people better shut up or something real bad might happen. Gene, you know, this is not the time nor place. So he's trying to be peacekeeper here. Uh, Hogan says he knew that Piper knew that, and it's a calculated risk. Hogan says it's obvious Piper doesn't want to get beat up again. Bischoff then gets on the microphone and says, tell the world the truth. Hogan beat him like a drum. Piper looks at Colt and then repeats that reluctantly. Uh, he says Hulk Hogan beat him like a drum. And Bischoff's like, that's Hollywood Hogan. Gene <laughs> <laughs> says, you don't have to be humiliated like this. Hogan then wants Piper to say that he's the icon. Uh, which Everyone at the airports and schools say, I'm the icon. Yeah, Hogan says he, uh, she has a smoke screen. He's done with Piper. He calls calling him a coward is one thing. Saying you're yellow is another. But when your seatbelt holds him back or holding are hiding behind a kilt. You don't deserve to be called a coward. You make me sick hiding behind a child. Pack it up and get out of my sport. So really just like mm -hmm. berating him. Um, and uh, Roddy and Colt walk away. But as he walks away, Hogan slaps him on the back a couple <laughs> of times. Bischoff is great just like laughing and clowning at Hogan, dressing down Piper as he's walking away. Piper gets on one knee, tells Colt, I'm sorry. Uh, Colt says, go, Dad. He gets out of the ring. Piper takes off his jacket. Hogan and Bischoff are kind of posing for the crowd. Piper grabs both of them. Hogan's <laughs> reaction is so outrageous, but it's kind of funny. He does the double, you know, noggin knocker there. Uh, he gets off his belt and punches Hogan, beats him up pretty good there. Bischoff has a chair, but is reluctant to get in the ring. And then uh, Piper grabs the heavyweight championship belt, fends off anyone getting in the ring, and uh, stands tall holding the belt in the ring, saying, okay, San Francisco, watch my fist go. So he accepts the challenge. Uh, it will be Piper and Hogan at uh, Super Brawl. And I got to say, I thought this was a great angle. I thought, um, you know, match may suck, but... Uh, it, it worked. I mean, the crowd was there, and uh, Hogan was just a complete ass and was in, in his bag tonight, and Piper, I thought, gave a great acting performance. Um, I, I do think it was ballsy bringing Colt out there. Yeah. Because um, you think about how much crowd, and Dillinger was on the outside, so they kind of beefed up security. Uh, but you think about, like, any time Hogan's been in the ring, they've been pelting the ring with trash mm -hmm. and everything else. So to have his kid out there, um, Colt's probably about the same age as my kids now. And I was like, oh, I would not want to bring him right. out this angle. Like, who knows what would have happened. So so I thought that was a, a cool personal kind of invigoration into this angle. Um, great angle. Like yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a top line heel work from Hogan. Piper super over. If you're not going to get a match, this is your next best 
yeah. thing, right? So they did a really good job hyping up Super Brawl. I mean, if you're not pumped for the rematch for Super Brawl after this segment, no one to tell you. We still got. We'll see though. The Starcade, right? We felt like they were they peaked a couple weeks early. Yeah. Is this the peak? Should they have dragged yeah. it a little bit more? Fortunately, right? we know what happens next week, and I'm not looking too forward to that or two yeah. weeks. So yeah. Right. So maybe they should have waited to like really drag it out. Right. And then have him accept the week off or something, but we'll see. Great segment, though. Great segment. Hogan is awesome. Berate him when he slaps him on the back of the head. It was great. Um, and Piper, as you could feel him boiling and boiling and boiling and finally snapping. It's like Hogan does one thing too many. If he didn't slap him, Piper might have left. But Hogan, he's overconfident. You know, right or wrong, he's overconfident. So great ending. Um, all right, let's get to our awards. Uh, let's start with Raw. Uh, for match of the night, I had the main event taker on Ahmed. Yeah, I went Hemsley uh, Marrow. <laughs> <laughs> Their uh, tribute, final tribute yeah. match. <laughs> For the best moment, I just went the face to face with uh, Sean and Brett. Agreed. I gave Brett the MVP as well because we talked uh, about how he like got to save that segment. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, shots fired. We talked about him all night. I mean, nice. Vince promising no bait and switch, shitting on Robin Hood and his weak arms, <laughs> and shitting on has beens. Um, Nikita <laughs> could beat up Robin Hood. Was that the lightest fight of all? His weak arms. Uh, no debuts, I don't believe, and uh, no dropped angles. No fruit, please, nose. So, oh, I, I thought we did have a fruit, please. No, he didn't do it. I don't think so. When Ahmed's chasing him to the back, he was he was. Oh, I don't count that as a please no. The please oh, no for me is he stands over the guy, with his feet over his head, and the guy sits up and does the electric chair. Oh, you go, please no. Okay, okay. Yeah, He's got to have the electric chair because he was definitely hanging off. It was I can't believe there's only been one of those so far. In my mind, he did it every match. Well, that so was I'm a, I mean, that was two weeks ago. It's, he's, he's had one yeah, match man. since then. Actually, That's no, he's done it twice already. Sorry, two times. Okay. Um. All right. Uh. I'm, I think I'm higher than you on this yeah. <laughs> raw. Uh, I went seven out of 10. I mean, I thought it was, mm. you know, the crowd, I was a little higher, I guess, on every match, but I, I think the arena, it was a fresher feel. I liked the way they ended up doing the rumble stuff. I really liked the face to face. I liked the Mero Helms. I liked the main events. I was higher than you on Bulldog Owen. So I just thought it was a, a fresh feeling raw. And it was almost like a flag in the ground raw for them. Like we're changing. Times are changing. This is a different format going forward. We're more aggressive. You're going to hear more from us. So, I thought it was. I thought it was better than most raws. So I, I kind of rewarded them for the effort. Yeah, I went five and a half. Um, I, I it being above average, I think for me is uh, the fact that what you mentioned and uh, the uh, whole stadium just that they had twenty five k in. I thought that was cool. I just didn't think what they actually put on the screen was very interesting. Even the matches I did like like Hemsley versus Marrow. I mean, that's so long, you know, drawn out like we talked about. So, um, again, it's kind of that argument like there. I mean, it's better than what they were doing before, so I commend them on that. I gave them a little bump, but what we actually saw on screen uh, didn't resonate much with me. I don't, I don't think it's too unlike, actually, the uh, Scott Hall debut episode of Nitro. It, it felt a little bit like in that same vein where – you know, they were doing something different. It, it was clearly past, like, the doldrums of Hogan being, you know, the super face and going through the Dungeon of Doom and how lame that was. But um, we still ain't got to the point where they were putting together a good show, in my eyes, of consistency right. basis. So, five and a half. All right. Over on Nitro, uh, my match of the night was Benoit Conan. Yep, me too. Uh, for best moment, I went the Piper-Hogan interview. Yeah. Hogan MVP, open and close the show with great stuff. Yeah. 
uh, shots fired. I, I I put down Piper calling Memphis the home of the king, and then he kind of goes Elvis, but he left that beat to make you think like maybe he's talking about Waller. So <laughs> that's how I took it. Uh, gotcha. Maybe maybe I've read too much into it, but um, yeah. debuts we had Ray Mendoza. Uh, road report is in Jacksonville. No dropped angle yet. Um, so we'll see if we want to put the Horseman thing yet. We'll see. And then no Hollywood Blondes music for anyone here tonight. Uh, so for this Nitro, it was six and a half. Um, you know, we didn't have any – the in-ring was all right. Like Ben Wachonian was the best match at three, but nothing else was express line. Piper Hogan was great. I liked some of the other interview stuff, but I thought, like, if you had missed an episode of Nitro, this is one you could probably miss and come back the week after and be okay. The Hogan thing, I'm sure they'll air all over the weekend. So, like, right. you know, if you miss this episode, you're not really missing a lot. Besides the Piper moment that you probably see a million times, even the outside, like they just stood on the thing watching DDP. We didn't get any follow up on Randy Anderson, um, so like there was really, it felt like a, a for being the first night drop against a two hour RAW. I felt like they really kind of used it as a reset episode um, after last week's big one. Yeah, I went six and a half too. I mean, I, I agree with that. I liked it, but I think anything besides the the final angle is uh, not you know mandatory viewing. So six and a half, man, man, that's, that's kind of like, you know, good episode of Nitro, nothing extraordinary. All right. Combo awards really quick. So I think based on our combo grade, Nitro would be the better show. Yeah. Um, Both going six and a half, right? Yep. Barely. Best match versus 6.25 is the aggregate on raw. So best match, I Uh, guess, Merrill Helmsley based on math. Um, Yeah. I think uh, Merrill Helms. Well, no, we had three it's on that. Conan, Conan Benoit, isn't it? Were you three and a quarter on that? I'm three, three on Conan Benoit. Me too. So we're three average on that. Uh, I think we're two point. Oh yeah, you were two and three quarters on Mero. Okay. So Benoit Conan. Okay. I mean, not uh, pretty weak. Right. Pretty weak on both shows. We're actually, to me, we're actually in a little bit of a lull. I was looking at our sheet. We've only had one hidden gem on TV this whole year. Yeah, um, so we could use a couple better. You could tell they're ratcheting up the angle stuff on Raw side for sure, and Nitro too. It's been a lot yeah. more NWO, a lot more yeah. Piper and Hogan and Giant. Like the shows have definitely been angled more toward promos and angles versus like big matches. So yeah, we could use some some good matches. Uh, best moment, we'll go with the Hogan Piper. Yeah. Uh, better commentary. I would I would I would go Nitro here. I thought I thought Raw was fine. I I, I think uh, for me Nitro. I thought Bobby actually had one of his better nights. And um, I mean one of the better Raw ones. I mean King not being on helped. I, sure. I thought uh, Ross added some good context. Now that he's fine, you know he's definitely yeah. no heel, so he's straight and can give all his you know right. facts. Yeah, that's dead. I mean, I mean it was really close. Was. It was closer than it's been. So. Yeah, that's and that's clearly dead. Heel Ross yeah. is gone. Yeah. Um, all right, star of the night. I think we both agree is Hogan. Yeah, and then ratings winner Nitro. Yeah, the ratings were good though. I mean, um, I, I think I, WWF was probably pretty happy. So, so the prior week, uh, it was three point six to two point two. This week, it's three point one for Nitro. So they dropped point mm-hmm. five um, to two point six for. Raw, so they are up 0. 0.4. Right, so they probably almost, saw that with like it almost justified the change, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the hype of the Rumble probably did that a little bit, but yeah, and we'll we'll see. Like in the ratings, um, 
it's it's interesting. Like there's there's one coming up. Like I need to. I'll I'll get it for that show. But there's one coming up where the ratings uh, 0.5 difference. Yeah. Um, and that I'll, I'll before that show I'll check to see how close that is in, uh, okay. in previous time. But it has to be months. So so I I mean going to two hours was something they had to do. Like we talked yeah. about it with the Keller piece. Like it was a smart initiative. They're doing it. We're in this little transitional period to Raw's War, but there's still some interesting stuff. We just may not have a cohesive good shows. But they needed to go two hours, and they needed to freshen the presentation. They needed a yeah. new look. They needed to go back to real arenas. They needed fireworks and lighting, and like it needed to be big and live. It's, it's going to be something fun to talk about, and it, it, it feels like a you know a little bit of a competitive. You know, they're frisky again. They had yeah. been frisky for a while. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll be back. Uh, we may be taking our next rotation off, so we'll probably be back a month from today. We'll see, but most likely a month from today. It'll be a big one. We'll be covering Thursday, Raw Thursday, which obviously is a seminal episode of Raw. A lot goes down. And uh, the 210 Nitro, which will be two weeks out for Super Bowl. So check out everything we have to offer at Nose Connection. This uh, obviously is on YouTube as well as podcast applications and audio format. We have a ton of content that's simulcast. We also have video exclusive and audio exclusive. Follow us on social media. Until then, the napalm drops. Talk to you tomorrow. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. We'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later, can I have them, please? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man of the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't.